The man from Tampa. Even I know stuff about Tampa. Okay, so if Dwayne The Rock Johnson is in your closet <laughs> and he's stolen your pet. Wait, why is it Dwayne The Rock Johnson? He's a bald man I thought of. <laughs> if Dwayne The Rock Johnson is in my closet, I have about 30 other questions. <laughs> okay, what's what's the first one? Why is he in my closet? <laughs> okay. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, if you had access to Ben's imaginary box... What would you wish for? sounds like a euphemism. (laughs) What would you wish for? And I want to know what the limitations of this box is because Mm -hmm. I'd like to wish for four million dollars. Why stop at four? Okay, eight million (laughs) dollars. There you go. But it has to be those numbers. Okay. Of course, of course. Obviously. Because they say money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy me things that will bring me happiness, so... That's kind of just the same thing. So I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) It's the way we're all just gonna do the same thing. (laughs) And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old writer and artist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I should change my bio to I'm a deeply annoying person from Vancouver, and that's it. Sure. (laughs) I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Apritania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And mine would be a very similar answer. I'd want, like, a winning lottery ticket. Mood. Yeah. I, like, What's yeah. the lottery for? Um, and what are your numbers that you that you ran? I mean, I ideally I'd be like, oh, I want to use the lost numbers, but those seem to be cursed for Hurley. <laughs> so well, you make your own luck, Brittany. Yeah. So uh, probably just gonna go with I'm gonna let the computer decide. Mm. I literally, I saw an article today about a guy who bought just a scratchy ticket Mm -hmm. and won $675,000. And I was like- scratchy lotteries? Yeah, here. Like, in Vancouver. I was like, I'm gonna off myself. The scratchy lotteries? Got a scratchy lottery. And this episode, our guest is Chris! Who are you? (laughs) Hey, y'all. I'm Christina Kina. Yes, my name rhymes. And no, it was not intentional. Incredible. Uh, I'm a 28-year-old unintellectual bisexual from Atlanta. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at BabySaves, where I thirst over Christopher Maloney and Lady Gaga. Incredible. Unintellectual bisexual might be the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Did you say unintellectual or an intellectual? No, unintellectual. Unintellectual Incredible. bisexual. In- okay, alright. Th- that's It's perfect in every form. It's going on my headstone, like period. End of story. I'm gonna make I'm making a sticker out of that. And uh, as uh, as for the whole box situation, I also would like to win money, but I think I would like to somehow stumble upon it. Like, I would like to stumble upon a large sum of money. Like... In what form? Like gold? Yes. Like... <laughs> Like, who who doesn't want to stumble upon, like, a pot of gold? Like, like in this scenario, are you just, like, digging in your backyard and you find gold? Yes. I'm, I'm, help, I'm helping, okay. um, you know, Astro get under the fence behind our house and, uh... Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah. Astro's the one who finds the money. Yeah. Actually, you know what we should do is that, isn't Astro right beside you? Maybe he, he should also be introduced as a guest. Yeah. Astro, where are you? He is... Where? Buddy! This is my dog Astro. He is currently at the end of my bed. He is. We love an audio podcast featuring dogs. (laughs) Featuring dogs. Uh, He is a 10 year old 
from South Georgia who only likes blonde, other blonde the dogs. Hmm. Hi, Astro. They say hi, Astro. He's completely ignoring us, y'all. I just... <laughs> <laughs> he is part cat. Uh, He is part cat. Because he'll, like, let sense. you, like, if you're petting him, he'll, like, kind of nip at you and be like, hey, I'm done with the pets. So... <gasps> oh, interesting. Um, what a fascinating dog. Literally. Literally. The most fascinating. Oh my gosh. Bird life update. I'm bird. Yes. Oh yeah. We By the time bird. this episode comes out, I will also have a dog. <gasps> You'll join the dog mom club! Yes! Finally again. My uh, last dog, it was our family dog, and he passed away in 2015. So it'll have been six years since I had a dog. Oh my gosh. So I'm excited. You should be. Um, tell everybody his name. Please. His name is Daly. Um, he's named after Larry Daly from Night at the Museum. Yes, she named her dog after Ben Stiller. And yes, she's valid for that. Absolutely she is. Because Night at the Museum 2 is a perfect film. And Ben Stiller is like a huge Trekkie. So he's like nice nothing but person. respect. You know? He's actually a really great guy. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to call him Pickle. Yeah, I was just going to say, tell everyone what we're going to call him. We're going to call him Pickle. His name's Daly, but we're going to call him Pickle. He's a Yorkie Poo, and he is a baby. He was, like, just born a couple months ago. He looks like a bowl of mashed potatoes with salt and pepper sprinkled on top. Like, when he runs, I'm like, that's mashed potatoes. Yeah. He is so scrumptious. We're excited to have him. Yeah. Oh, you can follow him on Instagram if you want at the Daily Pickle. Better spell daily. The and then D A L E Y and then pickle. So feel free to to follow him if you want. But going back to our actual guest. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we're done talking about dogs. Uh, Chris was on our episode for 218, I believe, which is Dave. Um, that's the last time we had Chris. And it was right before we left to go to Disney World together. And since then, we have all just gotten closer. That's so... Oh my god, that's it's, right. And more it feral. Was before, yeah. It was before we went to Disney. Oh my god. It was right before, yeah. Oh, that feels like forever ago. Oh. Oh, yeah. It it, it was an entire pandemic. It was an entire apocalypse ago. Yeah. <laughs> it sure was. It sure was. Oh my god. But if people don't remember, can you talk a little bit about um, some of your favorite characters from this show and like your relationship to this show? Oh, absolutely. So actually, the first time that I watched Lost was I was like, I'm pretty sure like like middle school, high school, and I kind of lost <laughs> uh, interest <laughs> um, in it for whatever reason. And it just kind of lost uh, my interest. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry for the puns. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Keep going. <laughs> uh, but actually, because of y'all, I rewatched Lost and um, fell in love with it. And yeah, just, you know, like your impact, truly. And favorite characters, Juliet and mm-hmm, classic. classic. And um, love me some Locke. Like, come on. Oh, great episode for I, you. Right? Like, her. No, when, when you asked me to do this episode, I was like, oh, this is like one of my favorite episodes ever. Like, yes, please, let's go. <laughs> Who else do I love? Great question. <laughs> Sawyer. A list of two is also available. <laughs> um, let me some Sawyer. Those are kind of like my main three. Sweet. Enjoy looking at Saeed, those sort of yes. things. Yes. 
Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Today we have words to say about episode 313 of Lost, the man from Tallahassee. Uh, yes, so the man from Tallahassee. Tallahassee is kind of important already, especially like if you're watching this as it's airing, you know, Tallahassee has already been mentioned at least twice in the series, so you can kind of like pay attention to when certain places are mentioned. So for example, this episode they say that um, Anthony Cooper going as Adam Seward um, is from Ontario, and Ethan said that he was from Ontario, and Kate once in a flashback said that she was also from Canada. So if anyone is ever from Canada on this show, you know that they're lying. So that's yeah. something that you can put together. Anyway, so the man from Tallahassee, um, in lockdown in season two, Sawyer said that he had been to Tallahassee, and in what Kate did, Kate is buying a bus ticket to Tallahassee when she's uh, arrested. So is um, Tallahassee in Florida? I believe so. Where's Tallahassee? It sure is. Okay. Yes. It's it's the pan. It's in the Panhandle. Um, it's about thirty minutes over the Georgia Florida border. I Georgia, don't Florida know line. what a Panhandle is, and at this point, I'm too isn't afraid. Isn't just to the ask. part that isn't this the pan the like you know how they say that Italy's a boot? But isn't that the whole state of Florida? Yeah, it's still obviously yeah, it's still part of the state of Florida. But there's part of Florida that isn't part of the panhandle, question mark, I guess. Correct. I think that's what's happening. That's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I was like, it can't be that literal. It's America. It is. The uh, broadcast date for the episode was March 21st, 2007. Um, it was written by Drew Goddard and Jeff Pinkner and directed by our friend uh, Jack Bender. There was a fun fact on Lostpedia about this episode, which is at one point it was titled Last Man Standing. I think this is a way better title just because it's like more fun because if, oh, if it was called fun. Last Man Standing, I'd be like, which <laughs> man? I was like, why do I recognize Drew Goddard as a writer? Buffy, I believe. And he wrote Cabin in the Woods. Oh, cool. <gasps> oh. Is that the, is it, wait, one of the Lost writers is from Buffy. Is it Drew Goddard? Because I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, yeah, he did Buffy, Angel, he wrote Cloverfield, Cabin in the Woods, World War Z, The Martian, and Daredevil. He created Daredevil, the show. Yeah. On Netflix. Oh, on Netflix. All of the Lost writers just, uh, they're like, hey, I'm gonna go forward and do great things. Oh, and he was an executive producer on The Good Place. Yeah, that makes sense. That's Yeah, really because, cool. uh, The Good Place was inspired by Lost a lot. There were a lot of Lost references on Oh, that yeah. Place. You could you could see they were uh, yeah. little sibling shows. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I really love this episode. I noticed um, when I was doing my notes and also when uh, Brittany and I were rewatching the episode today that uh, this episode does not have a whole lot of action and yet it never, like, drags. Mm -hmm. um, it's really just, like, a series of conversations and yet it's like so good and still very like it just captures your attention really well as i say it's very engaging it, it moves along at a very good pace yeah it's that's exactly what it is mm -hmm. yeah so real quick before we uh, recap our first storyline here, we are going to go into thoughts from listeners because uh, we got a sweet little voice message from our friend Isra, who is at Isra Glass, last episode, which we recorded like a month ago. So like it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to remember what we say, to be honest. But we were talking about Quebec and how they are having uh, like that ban on face veils and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Isra knows way more about that than us. Yes. And uh, she said that we are partially correct, but also um, she had a couple of notes regarding what we said. So let's hand it over to someone who knows more about this than us. Hey, Aficionados. I just wanted to correct something that you said at the beginning of the last podcast. Y'all were talking about the Black Quebecois and why you disliked them. <laughs> the face veil ban that you were talking about is both more and less strict than how you were describing it. 
So there are face veil bans, don't get me wrong, in different places. Like in France, there is one. You'll get fined for wearing one in public, I believe. But in Quebec, the restriction is anyone that works in the public sector, the bill is Bill C-21 for anyone that wants to look it up. C is in Charlie, and then the number 21. So it applies to people who work in the public sector lawyers, teachers, police officers, all of them can't wear anything that isn't seen as quote-unquote neutral. So any sort of religious symbolism, I don't know where the exact lines are, but wearing a headscarf or hijab or I don't know the word in Hebrew, but the word in Yiddish is a techel for Jewish women. Yarmulkes, turbans for Sikhs, all of that is banned. I don't know. I think you can wear like a cross necklace if like you put it underneath your shirt, but like if it's too big, I think that's also restricted, which it's weird. Anyways, so it's both more and less strict. So it doesn't apply to everyone, but it is more strict than just a, the face veil ban. Anyways, I really like your podcast <laughs> and I'm really excited for this episode. And I'll talk to y'all at some point soon. Bye, guys. Israel knows more than everything mm-hmm. than a, like knows more about everything than we do. Like mm-hmm. she's a genius. Thank you so much, Isra. I truly appreciate it. I am always prepared to be corrected. Uh huh. And I deeply appreciate <laughs> yeah. being corrected. And I like learning. Yeah. I uh, my favorite part was when she was like, "Hi, I really like your podcast." Or like <laughs> at, the, at, the end when, at the end when she's like. Anyway, I really like your podcast because I know that's true because I have to tell you guys a cute little story about Isra, okay? She's in our Discord server, which is at the $2 level on our Patreon, um, and she goes into our Discord server because at the $1 level, you get early access to all of the podcasts, and the Lost Podcast comes out a whole week in advance on our Patreon, and so the Friday before each podcast comes out, she's like sitting in the Discord waiting for me to post- Stop, that is so cute. The link. Oh my god. Um, and just like waiting at <laughs> at exactly 10 a.m. PST for the, the new episode to come out. And she like, it's it's very cute. That's I love it so, so much. Sweet. It makes my it makes my month every single time that she's like always like right there prepared exactly when it comes out. Robin so. editing the last one is like, this is for Isra. This one's for Isra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like not a joke. No, really. every episode <laughs> is for Isra. Yes, yeah. So thank you, Isra, again for um, for the correction. Truly appreciate mm-hmm. it. Cool. So this episode, usually we have an A storyline and a B storyline in the island, uh, and then the flashback, obviously. But this episode, um, it's kind of all just comes together. So we are just going to do the island storyline uh, itself, and then we're going to do the flashbacks itself, and that is just how it be this episode. Cool, 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 cool. So like I said, last episode of the podcast, we have retired chipmunk Brittany. Thank um, God she was <laughs> getting tired. Our Discord server was a little bit upset about it, to be honest, but you know what, you guys? It's gonna be okay. You know what? Robin can just pick some random crap that I'm saying and speed it up just for fun. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Are you gonna say something meaningful that I can speed up? No, you're gonna have to pick it. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, so sometime in the middle of the podcast. It's gonna be when I inevitably make the same poise twice in a row. Yeah, okay, her. okay, cool. Anything that's re- <laughs> yeah. Stop! Our chipmunk recaps were like ultimately redundant, we found. And so every time Brittany does something redundant, I'll just speed it up randomly. That's gonna be half the point! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I did the summary for the island storyline, and so I'm going to grab my summary right now. 
Chris, you are slightly behind us on, um, like there's a little bit of a delay. So if you ever want to talk, feel free, straight up uh, interrupt us, please. Thank you. I don't think she'll have a problem with that. Yeah, I just want you to know that anytime you have something to say, feel free to just like keep speaking. And if we keep speaking over top of you because we like, because we're ahead of you slightly in timing wise, just keep talking and and we'll stop talking and remember what we were going to say later. So please interrupt us because we're here every single episode and you're not. (laughs) True. Okay, so uh, this is my summary for the whole island storyline. Okay. So where we left off in Par Avion, Jack is playing house with the others. Kate is absolutely disgusted by this, and so they have to walk away for a bit to regroup. (laughs) Kate thinks Jack was brainwashed, Saeed thinks Jack's just an other now, and Locke thinks Jack is doing this for a reason. They're going to go back at nightfall and break him out. So they do that, but when Kate gets in there, Jack's like, bro, I told you not to come back. The others are watching him, and they run in and capture Kate, because they already have Saeed. They ask if there was anyone else with them, but they say no. Locke didn't even go to Jack's house, he went to Ben's house. He surprises Ben while he's sleeping and demands to know where the submarine is. Alex comes in wondering what's going on and Locke takes her hostage. Friendly and Richard come in and Locke hides he and Alex in the closet. Ben asks for Richard to get the man from Tallahassee. After they leave, Locke says Alex is going to go get Saeed's bag. After she leaves, Ben asks for Locke to help him get into his wheelchair. Ben puts together that Locke wants to blow up the sub and tells him not to. He proves again that he knows everything about Locke's life, including about his accident. Meanwhile, Kate is locked in the billiards room and Jack is let in to talk to her. He tells her that he made a deal with them and that he gets to leave the island in the morning. He's gonna come back to save them, but he wishes she hadn't come to get him. Ben asks Locke about the miracle that happened to him when he got to the island. Locke realizes that Ben is confused because he's healing really slowly and got sick in the first place. Saeed is handcuffed to the swing set when Alex comes up and gets his pack. Saeed knows she's Alex because she looks like her mother. So now Alex has that revelation to grapple with. (laughs) Alex has had a hard day, I think. Locke takes Ben into the living room where they discuss electricity. (laughs) Yeah. That's literally what happens, Uh though. Ben's like, hey, so my people are going to be mad if we don't have a sub because they need to know that they can leave if they want to. He tells Locke there's a magic box on the island that can create whatever he wants. Locke doesn't care. (laughs) Alex gets back with Saeed's bag. Before Locke leaves, Ben tells him about the deal he made with Jack, but Locke still doesn't care. Alex takes Locke to the submarine and tells him that he's being manipulated by Ben. Once they get there, Locke apologizes for including her in this scheme. Turns out Danielle has been watching them, so she finally got to see her daughter. Locke heads into the sub. Back at Ben's house, Jack comes and asks for another favor, to just let his friends go after he's gone. Ben says that, yes, I will definitely let them go as soon as you are off the island, teehee. <laughs> Juliet says, thank you for keeping your promise. And Ben's like, yeah, totally, no problem at all. Jack and Juliet approach the sub with some others just as Locke is leaving. Jack's like, what the heck? Locke says he's really sorry. <laughs> Jack's like, what the heck? What's Locke doing here? (laughs) What the heck? Locke says he's really sorry to Jack as the submarine explodes behind him. Jack is understandably upset about this. (laughs) Later, Locke is handcuffed in a dark room. Ben and Richard come and uncuff him. They take him to another room and reveal that the mystery box brought his terrible father to the island and they're both really confused and scared. And that's the whole island storyline. That's a, that's two thirds of the ep. It sure is. A lot of crap happened in this episode. A lot. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of answers. Because sometimes there's things that happen in episodes and you're just like, okay, and then action happens and you don't really have to, and have to talk about it. And like Charlie fixes a car. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you mean like, Hurley? Yeah, Hurley yeah. fixes a car 
there's a frog. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a frog. Uh, and then they play ping pong, you know, and there's just not a lot to say. Sawyer's not allowed to call people nicknames, mm-hmm. but he kind of wants to. There's just like a whole thing here. Mm-hmm. So this episode starts off where we left off in Par Avion, where Jack is playing football with Friendly and Kate is pissed. Which is is maybe because she just wants to play football too. Right. Maybe know. she also wants to play football. Yeah. Um, she's such a tomboy like that, you know? She, well, she, she kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Russo just like walks away. Um, <laughs> I love her so much. Because, well, these people ruined her life. Yeah. And like, not only is Kate betrayed by Jack, but probably Rousseau is too. 100%. Not, not that she and Jack were like friends, but like, you know. We were on this mission for you and you turned to them. Yeah. Don't love that. If I were Rousseau, I would just be like, I don't want any of you to ever talk to me again. Yeah. And so Juliet shows up and they start throwing the football to her too. Like, oh, look at this little happy little house family or whatever. And Kate's like, oh my God, that lady, she helped, she helped us escape. So like, I don't know. Do we like her? I can't tell. (laughs) I love that it's like a family can be two doctors with daddy issues and trauma and one gay man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Does that joke even work? Because do we even know that Friendly's gay? No, but I'm not afraid to say it. I feel like that's not a huge spoiler because like, it's not like they actually do anything with it. I'm pretty sure he's the only like, maybe not the only named character, but the only like actual important character that, that is canonical. Queer. Yeah. Although, do I ever have suspicions about most of the other characters <laughs> in this show? If Kate hadn't been forced into heterosexual relationships, Kate and Anna Lucia both, not together, maybe together. Wait! Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're gay. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I don't know. Kate's bi at the very least. Hello, I'm here to talk to you about Boone Carlisle. <laughs> no! <laughs> I actively try to avoid talking about no. Boone Carlisle. Yeah. So Juliet goes to talk to Jack and she's like touching his arm and it's like, ooh, so Kate's even more pissed now. And she says, like quietly, I think it's going to be tomorrow. So they're talking about when they get to leave. And that's when everyone notices that Rousseau is gone and Locke doesn't really seem to care because he's just like watching through the binoculars. Excuse me, I have something to say. Okay. So when Kate goes up to Jack Mm -hmm. and she's like, this is really interesting and I don't know if they did this on purpose or not, but she's not getting out of anything out of him when she's like standing farther away. Mm -hmm. It's only when she gets into his space Mm -hmm. and physically touches him and like evokes emotion in him that he actually starts responding. And so I was like, is that like Evie's choice or is that like slight manipulation on Kate's part? Like what is that in there? So what I think it is, is so we're talking about the scene in the billiards room where um, Friendly before Jack goes in says, well he like talks to Kate a little bit and then before Jack goes in says like be careful in here and he points up to the ceiling. So Friendly is giving him the heads up that they're not only watching him in his own house but they're also watching him and potentially listening to him here in the billiards room as well. Oh, and so I when see. Yeah, she gets yeah, yeah. closer to him, he can talk to her more because if he's quiet, they can't hear him. Me just trying to like find like yeah. some kind of meeting in body language. No, 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 no. It's but the also obvious that, thing they told you about. I just think, I think that it's probably both and like it just worked out that way that it, that they were able to do both of them as, at the same time. Yeah, I just like am fascinated constantly by the way Kate wields like her, her feminine wiles. Well, no, less, it, less that and it's more intimacy and touch because Kate doesn't Kate is someone who like doesn't touch a lot of people but when she does it's very purposeful right so we also see Ben and he's in the wheelchair and they all seem like very friendly way too way too happy just playing house out here and Jack and Ben like straight up shake hands and Locke's like oh dear hmm seems bad 
oh no. And so on the on the next scene, Kate is like loading her rifle and they've all kind of like retreated a little bit. Still no sign of Russo. They're like, eh, whatever, we're, we're in here. Like, is there a way for Russo to even get past the sonar fence again? I don't know. Either way, she's around. I don't think she would even want to. Yeah. She's just like, you know what? I'm just hanging out here Like, now. we know where Russo is. But exactly. They don't. If I were Russo, I would straight up wait and then rob them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened to her. Exactly. Like, rob them. So she's, like, got her rifle going, and Ka- and Saeed's like, Kate, are you gonna go in and, like, kill people? And she's like, yeah, that's how we saved Jack. And Saeed's like, it doesn't really seem like he wants to be rescued. Like, it doesn't seem like he wants to be saved. And so Kate says that she thinks he's been brainwashed or drugged or something, because he wouldn't forget that they kept us all as prisoners in such a terrible way. And Saeed's like, well, he looks okay. Basically, the point that I'm trying to make here that I really, really like in this scene is that Kate is like, oh my god, he's been brainwashed. Saeed's like, it's not that he's been brainwashed, it's just that he's been taken in by them. Like, he he has just straight up betrayed us. Mm-hmm. And Locke is the only one. Locke is the one who's like, I Jack is smarter than this, and Jack is doing this for a reason. So what exactly are you saying? We simply start shooting people and hope for the best? We came here to rescue Jack, and that's what we're going to do. But obviously the circumstances have changed. He may not want to be rescued. That is not him. That's not Jack. They must have done something to him. When they captured us, they drugged us. He didn't appear to be drugged, Kate. They kidnapped him. Held him prisoner. He wouldn't just forget that. I agree. But until we know why, we're putting our lives at risk. Not leave him, Saeed. We may not have a choice. It's Jack. The first time I saw him, he was risking his life pulling people out of burning airplane wreckage. If he's shaking hands with the others, I'm sure he has a good reason. You just have to go down there and find out what it is. Well, I mean, of course the person that he goes up against like, the most would understand it. Yeah. Because it's the same way that, like, Ben understands Locke. Mm-hmm. I guess my thing is just that, like, I love that it's Locke who's mm-hmm. like, you are both underestimating him. And Saeed's like, yeah, dude sucks. He's like, yeah, I saw that coming. So he's <laughs> <laughs> like, finally I get to be in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kidding, he would never want that. Yeah. But he should, because he's responsible. He's like, I just take half the responsibility whenever uh, it's, it's stuff that I'm good at. Saeed never finds himself in love triangles. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Let's <laughs> see. <laughs> never mind. She's like, oh, he would never forget that we kept that they kept us as prisoners in such, like, a barbaric type of way. And I just wanted to point out, like, to be fair, you guys did the same thing to Ben in season two. Yeah, they, like, contemplated killing that dude, like, a couple times. Yeah, like, you definitely kept- I mean, at least they, like, fed him not fish biscuits, you know? <laughs> that's true. Or electrocuted them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And so Kate's like, okay, well, we're, we came all this way, we are not leaving Jack. And we're like, we might not have a choice because he maybe just doesn't want to leave. And Locke is the only one that has faith in him because Locke's a man of faith. Um, and he seems to be the only one who really does have faith in him. Mm-hmm. And Locke talks about how the first time that he saw Jack, he was being like an actual hero, like an actual force for good. And if he's shaking hands with these people, he probably has a reason and we need to figure out what it is. Incredible. That's, I mean, you can't fault that logic. I love it. He's right. Ugh, I love that it's Locke. Thank you. You're welcome. So- He's like, we're going to wait until it's dark, and then we're going to approach Jack, and if we, he wants to be rescued, then we will rescue him. But if he doesn't want to be rescued, then I guess we turn around. And Kate, you're going to have to freaking deal with that, or we are leaving you. <laughs> They're going to have to drag Kate out of there kicking and screaming. Yeah. So now they've waited until nighttime, and they're all just, like, watching with the binoculars. And I had to Google if binoculars work at night. Because <laughs> I was like, what? Is that how light works? Like, don't, don't they need, like, a specific amount of light to work? But... I guess it, I guess they do, apparently. Yeah, and aren't there, like, I guess they don't have infrared binoculars. Yeah. I'd say night vision, probably not. Yeah, 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 exactly. Who, who 
They could probably see, like, inside of his house because there's light inside the house, but if they tried to, like, look around the actual dark, then, like, it, I guess that's my question, is why, how is it working when they're looking around, the, like, the actual dark? I want to use but. binoculars in the, at night now and see what happens. <laughs> okay, do you have any? No, at first I have to get binoculars. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So join our Patreon <laughs> so, that Brittany, <laughs> so that Brittany can get some binoculars and we can do this test. I hate you! <laughs> so, they watch Juliet... <laughs> So they watch Julia and Jack walk back into Jack's house, and then he goes inside and she leaves. Um, and Locke says, for Saeed to take the front, Locke's gonna take the back, and Kate is gonna take the side. And Kate's, like, worried to go in by herself, but Locke is like, it's better for you to be the first one. And so she goes in, his side door is straight up just unlocked. And I love this so much because he's like, Saeed, you do this, Kate, you do this, I'll do this. And then he goes and just, like, goes straight up somewhere else. He's like, yeet! <laughs> just leave! Like, I genuinely think that he's counting on them getting caught as a distraction for what he's going to do. I mean, yes, but okay, here's my second question. Mm-hmm. How does he know which house is Ben's? Uh, that's a good question. Like, can you imagine Locke just, like, having to peek into everyone's windows until he finds Ben? Yeah, I don't think he knows that. I don't know how he knows what, other than, uh, they just kind of, like, hung out for, like, several hours until the sun went down oh, yeah. and maybe they did it then, but that is not textual, so I don't know. I, I'm gonna go with my headcanon that he has to peek in everyone's windows. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, and he's just like, whoa, <laughs> Mr. Friendly, <laughs> what's going on in there? Stop. Peeping Locke, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peeping John! And so, yeah, his side door is straight up just unlocked, so she just goes in, and Jack is playing the piano, and we knew that he could play the piano because he does in the flashbacks of episode 120, which was Do No Harm, but he was just kind of, like, playing, what's it called? Girl, I don't know what that is. The one that everyone plays. Dump, bump, bump, bump. I mean, the thing that we always learned was Smoke on the Water. No. Are you talking, like, it's called Hearts and... No. No. Piano song. Easy. <laughs> Watch it just be like Mary Had a Little Lamb. What's the easiest song to play on piano? Heart and Soul. Oh, you were really, you were really close to that. You just had the other lost episode title. Hearts and Minds. Yeah. Was in my head. yeah. Because Boone dies in Do No Harm. And so I also had Boone on the brain too. So then it was like, and that's the Boone episode. You should remove Boone from your brain. I can't because he's part of this show and I need to know everything about it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But there were a couple fun facts on Lostpedia about the Jack playing piano thing. Um, apparently the piano that Jack plays appears to be the same one not the same piano in general but the the same model of piano okay uh that charlie owned the one that liam sold in fire and water that's kind of cool and then it also said that the piece that jack is playing on the piano is actually an arrangement of the theme that michael giacchino wrote for the character normally the themes are only heard as part of the orchestral underscore the music was not played on the piano pictured in the episode but rather recorded from a nord electro 2 keyboard the theme plays as part of the score later in the episode so that is so cool however i'm just like that's so interesting that Jack would like is Play this his like own an theme. like an original piece of music that Jack just like knows him playing heart and soul in do no harm that was like years and years and years ago so like yeah. perhaps he's just gotten better at piano but like the only times that we ever say, see him play piano I think are those two times and like <laughs> his just like uh, his 
expertise level has changed. I just think that's so cool that they chose to incorporate his theme. Like, that's such mm-hmm. a good little detail. Yeah, it is cool. So he hears Kate and he turns and he is not happy to see her and he tells her to run and leave. And he, even though he told her not sorry, to come skate back. skate chippers. I'm sorry. Skate chippers? Oh, wait, not skate. Um, I was like, why are you Kate, laughing at me? He's not even I, here. I get them mixed. I lived through all of that, okay? Yeah. So I, whatever. I just think it's so interesting that like he straight up told her not to come back and she did not expect this. Like her face is like, huh? She's like, okay, well that wasn't the welcome home that I was expecting. Even after, like, even after she was like, he's brainwashed. You go up there and if he's like, leave, she's like, oh, he must be still brainwashed. Like, no, she, I don't know. No, this is just like really intense brainwashing. Yeah. You know, with all of the supplies they have on the (laughs) island for that. Scrub-a-dub-dub. Stop. (laughs) Scrub-a-dub-dub. Chris, do you remember back on Live Journal, like, the ship wars between the Lost fans or is that, did you just like miss all that? I missed all that. Because oh I think God, she so says she had she watched, like, way after it was done. Is that right? Well, I saw it, like, I think because I was on Oh No, They Didn't. And I would, like, I just loved clicking to, like, read other people's drama. Because it's, like, my favorite thing to yeah. do ever. It's just, you know, find out about other people's drama. And I remember seeing, like, insane wars between Skate and Jate Shippers. Mm-hmm. And then Suliet came along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Wait, okay, you know what? Now that you mention it, okay. That just unlocked a memory. Uh... <laughs> Right? I do. Okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, I do remember this now. Oh my god. Yes. I'm not crazy, I'm just old. We've just been around the block a time or two. Uh, yeah. And been, and been on all the same website. God. <laughs> anyway, the Lost fandom back in the day was apeshit. Absolutely apeshit. I also remember watching... Um, like fan vids on um, dial up and like having to pause it and like let it load. And then, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. We used to have to like, we would make icons at like a hundred pixels wide and try to communicate everything we liked in that one pixel. And then we would have competitions with those icons to see who made the best one. This was never my experience. <laughs> I, looking back, it was completely unhinged, but it was a superior form of social media because they were moderated communities. Either my family never had dial-up or I was too young to go on the internet while my family had dial-up. My That's earliest possible. memories of the internet were, like, similar to the internet we currently have. Not, really? I mean, like, not with, like, all the websites and everything, but, like, in, in relation to dial-up versus what we have now. God, is- I remember GeoCities. Yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> It was, it was what all the fan sites used to be on. Mm. Like, before we had, like, more fandom. I mean, we had fandom forums, but, like, LiveJournal was one of the first places where, like, all of fandom was contained in one place. Mm-hmm. And then after, like, obviously from LiveJournal, Tumblr was yeah. born. Tumblr. And then I think after that, maybe humanity made some mistakes. Mm. Yeah. So he did not want her to come here because he knows that he's being watched and now that she's here she's in danger um and he like points to the camera on the ceiling it's hard because sometimes kate is like really smart and she does really smart girl things Mm -hmm. and then sometimes she's handed the idiot ball they give kate the idiot ball a lot yeah they do because like Um, kate who was a fugitive mm -hmm. would hear you are being watched and log that one away Yeah. And then remember for later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's partially why a lot of people like dislike Kate is because she's handed the idiot ball a lot. And I would never dislike Kate for that. Like, I'd be like, that's just like a failure of the writing. There aren't a lot, (laughs) but that's definitely one of them. I think inconsistency is definitely 
contributed to the downfall of Kate's character in terms of her reputation. Yeah. But again, like, I think maybe it's because, like, we do this and, like, we're online and we just have been around the block a couple times that you realize a character is not bad because their writing is inconsistent. Mm -hmm. The writer is the one responsible for that. Yeah. Amen. So she, like, just starts refusing to leave and he's like, oh my god, go away. (laughs) It's like, please go away. And so she doesn't and two men enter with guns. One of them is just a random and this is our first look at Ryan Price who is a named other that we have. And I believe that he has been mentioned before now because I remember talking about him in the spoilers section at some point. The way I have no idea who that man is. Well, this is the first time we see him. No, but like, I, yeah. But yeah, so we, we've talked about him before, but this is the first time we see him, so. Uh, I think it's that I have nice. no memory of him. Oh, okay. From the other times I've watched this show. If I told you what happens to him in the future, you'd be like, oh, that one. Okay. But it's okay that you don't recognize his name. Thank you. Yeah. In other news, I am now going to tell you. <laughs> okay. I'm going to cut it out of the podcast. Allie. Oh my god! Yeah, we'll talk about it, yeah. So Jack asks them to please not hurt Kate, and Price calls Jack Doc, which is, excuse me, for Sawyers only. Yeah. And they get her on the ground, they bring in Saeed, who is also captured, and Jack just kind of, like, stays to the side with his arms up, because he's not out here trying to jeopardize his deal that he was he was a part of. And they're like, who else was with you? And Jack, like, tells her to answer, and she and Saeed say that no one else was with them. And I'm like, okay, they're gonna know that you lied pretty, sure, pretty soon here, and I'm honestly surprised that they believed you in the first place, because you sure did take a pause there. Like, you really did hesitate. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's like at least 30 seconds of pause and you're like, this isn't convincing. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I just think it's funny that Locke didn't even try to go through the back. He was just like, uh, all right, bye. It just pieces out. He's got crap to do. Just like sending them into a trap. It's called having an agenda. <laughs> so my next question, and I think that I can answer it myself, but I would love to have a conversation I about it. I bet you can. Do we think that he knew that they would be captured or did he think that he was actually sending them in to go and help jack chris what do you think oh he totally set them up yeah right exactly like i was I, like i said before i was wondering if it well, he was like hoping it would be a distraction while he went to go see ben or something yeah i think he knew that they were gonna get uh in major trouble the entire time he yeah. just like always with Locke, he just had his own thing mm-hmm. to do and it didn't really matter if other people got in trouble yeah yeah like um, i love Locke, but, yeah. but yeah for the past few episodes i've been like Locke, this is not nice guy behavior uh let's going on here man yeah yeah so in the next scene we go into ben's house how did Locke know it was ben's house he looked through every single window we decided um and we see that ben has a hospital bed just in his house because um he currently he just had surgery recently and he thinks that it's alex in his room and i think that he kind of like if i remember correctly he kind of is just like hello alex and he knows that alex currently hates him and so i almost like want to cry at like this small moment of him like thinking that his daughter is coming because she I don't know like had a nightmare or something Mm -hmm. like he's just like is for a moment hoping that she like came in here to speak with him in the middle of the night yeah and he tries to protect her later too and I'm like because she lives in this house damn complicated relationship Mm -hmm. but the light goes on Locke points his gun and Ben's like oh dude like I don't care if you want to take Jack like it's fine I'll tell you where Jack is and Locke's like I don't care about Jack I want to know where the sub is And in the next scene, Ben's like, what, 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 I've never even heard of a submarine. What, 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 what is that? Is that some newfangled type of transportation? I've never heard of that in my life. Why did we suddenly I, go something? Because Chris is here with Chris us. Chris is here. I don't know her. I just, yeah. 
In fact, like I've never even heard of submarine. I hate everyone here. Ben's like, I'll bless your heart. Not to bless your heart. Like, I'm sorry, John. I just don't know. nothing about the south but we know that is a devastating blow it is ben's like i was born on this island how would i know how would i have ever learned about what a submarine is it's like then where'd you get your accent from (laughs) i met your friend sawyer on the other side of the island (laughs) this is stupid you know who she sounds like (laughs) okay remember the scene in shrek 2 when the fairy godmother for you guys i'm like <laughs> i'm like sweating and laughing at the same time <laughs> so lost like yeah that's real cute ben but mikhail told me about it before i killed dun, him dun, dun. and and um i remember in enter 77 saeed had mentioned that like they killed one of the others or something and that's what like upset mikhail enough to start attacking them and so i like that Locke is here and he's like i killed one of them and ben's like i don't care yeah ben's like and okay i do that all the time <laughs> so alex like ben was hoping for alex shows up and is like wondering what's going on because she's like hearing a commotion in his room and I, I'm honestly kind of surprised that she still lives in this house if she hates him so much. Where else is she gonna go? She's stuck on an island. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you're right, yeah, because, yeah, like, we've been trying to discuss about, like, where Carl lives, but, and, like, where his family is, and uh, we just Carl. don't know. Aw, uh, Carl. Who's Carl. Carl's parents? I've been wondering. I've been wondering. Wait, we never find that out? No. I don't know. It's something that I wonder. Thanks a lot, Lost. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> They're like, hey, there are uh, so many unanswered questions. Like, where'd the polar bears come from? And I'm like, yeah, that's your unanswered question. I want to know who Carl's <laughs> parents are. Also, that question was answered, you Fully big answered. whiny kitty man babies. Like, five times. And so, yeah, I guess everyone else, like, if she asked to, like, live somewhere else, everyone else is probably afraid to house her, like, for fear of Ben, like, being mad at them. 100%. And so Ben doesn't want Alex to come in for... Because she'll probably be in danger. Um, but Locke opens the door and she's there. And Alex is like, what? A, a bald man? I- what? Uh, that's new. <laughs> that's not my dad. <laughs> He's like, dad, that's new for you. All right, go on. Uh, so there's a knock on the front door and he grabs Alex and covers her mouth and tells Ben to ask her to be quiet. And so he does and... A white man? No. Hides in the closet. Uh, I... However, I know for a fact that Locke at no point was out here trying to, like, harm Alex in any way. No, she was a means Uh, to an end and that was it. Yeah, so, like, you know, him doing this and, like, grabbing her and everything and taking her into the closet. Weirdly enough, I do not get any, like, creepier bad vibes from that in the slightest. No, Locke is obsessive. He's not evil. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, also... Rousseau is partially here specifically for her, and yeah. so, like, at no point was I ever worried about Locke. No, Locke would never harm a child. Hurting Alex. So, Friendly's outside, and he's like, hi, Ben, are you awake? And, like, I don't remember if Ben ever answers, but he just comes in. No, Ben literally doesn't answer, because yeah. I remember watching the episode, you know, from, like, two hours ago. Two hours ago, yeah. And I was like, does Friendly just, like, come in if he doesn't hear an answer? Like, what if Ben's sleeping? Well, I guess it's important enough that he's like, oh, yeah. yeah, he's like, hello. He gives Friendly a key for this exact reason. Yeah. <laughs> and let's be real. Well, friendly, friendly doesn't have the key. Well, lock, or, well, Jack's house was straight up just unlocked, and I don't know if that's just because it's Jack. Or I think that's part of his prisoner thing. Or just because just nobody's house is locked. 
act, because nothing bad happens here in Dharmaville. And Ben needs access to emotionally or physically manipulate you at any time. <laughs> so he comes in, and I was like, oh, is no one's house locked? But we just talked about that. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my other thing was I wonder if that makes sense that no one's house is locked, because they don't think anyone can come in because of the sonar fence anyway. Oh, yeah. So maybe they just don't think that, like, that's their lock. I forgot about the sonar fence immediately. And they're watching Jack very carefully. You know that they're watching Jack very, very carefully because Price came in, like, within seconds Mm -hmm. he was in there. And so Friendly walks in with with Richard, um, and Ben's like, hmm, yes, hmm, hello. Mm, What? Everything's fine here. How are you? Nothing's going on. How are you? Situation normal. Yes. And uh, he's like, hey, uh... (laughs) Kate and Saeed are here somehow? I don't I don't really know how that happened, to be honest. Um, but, but I've got them captured and they're in my house. Do you want to come talk to them? Because I don't really want them in my house anymore. And Ben's like, okay, just separate them so that we can figure out how they found us. And Friendly asks about Jack and Juliet because he knows the plan for tomorrow. And he talks about it and, you know, now after having watched the episode, you know that it's about them leaving on the sub. And Ben, knowing that Locke is in his, uh, is in his closet, it's like, hey, uh, shut up! Um, I'll figure, I'll figure it out, man. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, because eventually he tells Locke that information, but he doesn't want Locke to know that information until he wants Locke to know that information. Mm-hmm. And Richard is also here, although he isn't really saying much, he's just kind of there. And so he asks Tom to leave, um, and wants to talk to Richard instead. And we don't see his face in this scene, although we do know his name from Not in Portland, this isn't like the reveal because we had, that's the only time that we've seen him is in North, not in Portland mm-hmm. before now. And so this is kind of like, this scene isn't the reveal, but this episode is the reveal that Richard is not only an other like Ethan, who he was hanging out with, but he also that he's it. like around and he's here. Okay. So we were watching this. Okay. I, would, yeah, I got it. This. No, I got it. <clears throat> Would you? Oh no! Go ahead. You. Tell I want to preface story. this by saying I just watched Bates Motel. Yeah, I already talked too much on this podcast. I could tell the story, but you should probably tell your own story. Go ahead. Like, oh, thank you. That's so generous of you. Yeah, this is the part that's going to be sped up like a chipmunk. No, <laughs> how dare you? You do not speed me up while talking about Norma Bates. Go ahead. Um, it's just so it's not redundant for this podcast, but it's redundant for my life because I hear about Vera Farmiga every single day. <laughs> Conjuring 3 came out. <laughs> yeah, actually. That's where it starts. No, okay. So when Chris was talking about how she watched Lost the first Shrek time. Two. and then she was <laughs> Yeah, when Chris was talking about Shrek 2. When she was talking about how she watched Lost the first time and she was like, eh, like I'm not really into it. That was me with Bates Motel. So I didn't watch it. And then The Conjuring 3 came out and um, you were an absolute Yeah. So, <laughs> so we watched all of Bates Motel in like a week and um, now my every thought is just... <laughs> My every thought, every thought is occupied with Vera Farmiga. But um, <laughs> I hate myself. We've got a gay, anyway, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, Nestor is in that show. Friendly is not the only gay <laughs> in the podcast. I want to. I would love to get through a story one day. We've got a gay. Anyway, Nestor is in that show as her like love interest, and it's like really sad and really tragic and really well done. But um, it's I have a very different relationship to Nestor now that I've watched Bates Motel. So we were watching this episode, and I hear Ben say Richard, and of course, like I'm an idiot, so I like perk up, and I'm like. Richard's not there. Rob was like, yes, he is. And I'm like, I haven't heard his voice. I know his voice. And then he just really quietly goes, okay. And I was like, that's how he talks to Norma. So anyway, I've lost my mind. 
So that's my um that's my Richard's that's all I have to contribute. She's like to Richard podcast. isn't there and I'm like he's literally right I was there. like, well, you can't see him, but the fact that he's saying Richard is what is telling us that he is in the room, if you can believe it. It's 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 uh it's show don't tell, except it's tell don't show, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, anyway. anyway. Yeah. So anyway. So anyway. So anyway. Richard's here. I'm like, 10 years from now, Nestor is going to have the greatest moment of his career, and it's getting to make out with Vera Farmiga. 10 years? Was it really that long? Yeah. yeah. This, this was- is, What year was this? This was 2007. Yeah. So 2017 is when Bates Motel was on? Bates Motel was- I thought it was earlier it was like 2015 to 2018, I Oh, okay. This is really important information. 2013 to 2017. Boom. Okay. So yeah. it was just ending 10 years ago yeah. from now. Oh. So, but he was in, he was in the first season, right? He's in the whole show. Okay, so it was only six years then. Yes. So, get it right. Oh. So, I'm so sorry. You're the one who's supposed to know things about this show. Um, I don't know anything about anything. Okay. Reliably Speaking well. of, Nestor is like the kindest soul. Oh, yes. You've met him. Is that, that right? Yes, I have. Because um, he was... Yes, tell us about it, please. Uh, yeah, back when I worked for that convention... That shall not be named. That shall not be named. He was one of our guests. And like, this was right, I think, after Bates ended. So the hype was still there. And he just like, he sat with like every single fan and just like held their hand and like hugged them. And was just so loving and kind to every single person that he interacted with. And like that has always just stuck out in my in my head. Oh, he just looks like a sweet man. Oh my god! I like there's some actors where you just kind of hope, right? And then you're yes. disappointed. And he's one of the ones where you hope and you're not disappointed. And you're not disappointed. No, and like because there are other. I mean, I mean, and he always had like, and that was the thing. He always had a line, but like that never deterred him, and like that never made him like speed up the interactions. Like he kept it personal for every single human. And that's just beautiful. Oh, that's so nice. Okay. Oh my god. Little anecdote. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I loved that. Thank you for sharing that. I always want to hear when people have uh, met the lost actors because I haven't met any of them. Oh, yeah. No. I'm so sorry. Like Robin, I would ar- arguably one of the world's biggest lost stands. Yeah. Um has not met. If not the if not the biggest lost fan. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Has not met a single one. She hasn't wait, she hasn't met Henry in no. no no nope I don't I don't think have I I had no I had no I've opportunity I um I know I've told this story before because but I'm still mad about it April of 2020 <laughs> one month after everything went to, t- to hell I was supposed to meet three in one weekend mm-hmm. at Calgary Expo 2020 Ian Summerhalder Dominic Monaghan and Emily DeRabin were gonna be there I was gonna fly home to Red Deer so that I could go to Calgary Expo and meet three lost actors because I have not have had an opportunity to meet any of them. And so that was my opportunity to meet three of them. And one month beforehand, the world shut down. And I am still sad about it. So to this day, I still have not. However, we did talk to Andrea Gabriel on Skype. Oh, she's um, an angel. So you can check out our interview with her um, if you haven't heard it yet. Um, but she plays Nadia. And she was super, super nice. So I have met her, but I'm talking in person. I think, I don't think I've met a lost actor either. I think mm-hmm. I've only met Star Trek actors. Yeah. And Alex Kingston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Carrie Fisher. And Carrie Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> Queen. Oh. Like, two months before she died. Yeah. Uh. That one hurted. So, um, Ben tells Richard to bring the man from Tallahassee and Locke's like, huh? And Richard's like, oh, hey, why? And <laughs> <Ben's> like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just do it. 
Because Richard doesn't know that Locke's in the- <laughs> He's like, why would I bring Locke's dad? That's weird. <laughs> That's just a crazy random happenstance. So then he leaves, and Locke and Alex come back out, and Locke is like, is that like what? Is that like a code or something? And, I mean, yes. But Ben is like, no, uh, because we don't have a code for there's a bald man in my closet. <laughs> Who's taking my daughter hostage, but maybe I should make one up. Wait, guys, if that ever happens to us, we have to say that it. we have to go get the man from Tallahassee. Okay. 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 If there's a, okay. If there's a bald man. If there's a bald man in our, our closet. My closet's really small, so I don't know how likely this is to happen, but yeah, okay. I'm glad that we're talking about this. Just, just in, in case. case. <laughs> yeah. There's a bald man in our closet with our daughter, so we need, also need to have a daughter for this to work. I feel like animals could also qualify, but both of us have okay. sons. All of us have sons. Okay, so that works. We sure do. Uh-huh. But if the man has hair, then we have to figure out something else. Oh, for sure. it's only for bald guys. <laughs> well, where would, where would a man with hair hail from? That's a good question. Albany, New York. <laughs> Okay, I don't know Albany. why. The man from Albany. Let's go the man from just slightly by Tallahassee. The man Orlando. I knew you were going to pick Orlando. No, wait, kiss him me. Tampa. Tampa! It's Tampa! The man from Tampa. Even I know stuff about Tampa. Okay, so if Dwayne The Rock Johnson is in your closet <laughs> and he's stolen your pet. Wait, why is it Dwayne The Rock Johnson? He's a bald man I thought of. <laughs> If Dwayne The Rock Johnson is in my closet, I have about 30 other questions. <laughs> okay. What's what's the first one? Why is he in my closet? <laughs> okay. My second one is, how did you get my apartment? And the third one is, is Emily as blunt as nice as she seems like she is? <laughs> That's a good question. Thank you. I guess my first question would probably be, is Nick Jonas very nice? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Maya would be like, how lucky do you feel as a person to have gotten to make out with Carla Cugino? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I'd probably be like, um, so is Jack Black the icon that we really think he is? I know that the answer to that the is, answer yes. is yes. Which I, I want to hear him say it. Yeah, it I want to hear him say it. It has to be. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now that we've talked about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, is it a day that goes by that we don't talk about Dwayne The Rock Johnson? And why not? I and bring guys, him up a lot for some I gotta reason. tell you guys, we saw Jungle Cruise in theaters yesterday. Oh my god, it was awesome! The day that we're recording this, so you're like, whoa, that's really ahead of time. <laughs> yes. Because Riverdale's about to start again, and so I need to get all of my podcasts recorded super ahead of time, so I have time to edit. I'm sure you understand. Anyway, we go and see it, and... Forgot where I was going with this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Jungle Cruise, you? you saw it in theaters. Um, you should go see it, Chris. Have you seen it no, yet? No, not yet. I oh, I you would love it. It's like if the it's a modern The Mummy. I am no, I've heard like the, but, but it's like all of like the adventure movies that I enjoyed like as a kid, and I need that nostalgia in my life. I'll probably go see it Monday. Because that's when, like... You will love it. No one's, you know, I'm off, but everyone else is at work, so I'll probably have, like, the theater-to-myself kind of situation. Oh, yeah. You will love it. Because I really don't want to spend $30 on Disney+. Plus. Oh, God, no. No. Oh, no. I do not remember where I was going with this. I would just rather go to, like, the local movie theater where I think a movie ticket is, like, $10. So. Oh my god, we us paying twenty five so that we can sit in VIP and have people bring us food. That's iconic of you. Thank You're you. welcome. When I'm editing this, I'll remember where I was going with this. Anyway, <laughs> still didn't get there. No, don't remember. So he's like, "Hey, Richard, go get the man from Tallahassee." And Richard is probably like, "Bro, why don't you just say his name? Like, no one else is here." But 
he didn't, and he didn't pick up on it. Richard um, was literally like, okay, this is not my problem. My next note was just that, uh, Michael Emerson is so good at deadpan humor, and that is all about this episode. Michael Emerson deserves every award he's ever Amen. been given. Yeah. So, Locke says that he wants Saeed, Saeed's pack, and he wants Alex to go get it. And Ben's like, okay, well, holding me hostage probably isn't your best bet because she, like, hates me right now, so probably doesn't care if I die. And Alex is like, oh my god, dad, I'll do it, I'm gonna save your freaking life, calm down. Yo, but the way that he actually did try to protect Alex is intriguing. Yeah, like, several times. Yeah. Uh, He he tries to protect her quite a bit, and I'm like, so you do care about her. mm -hmm. But I also think, I think Alex is very realistic as a teen right now, too, because, like, you say that you hate your parent- and, like, yeah, sometimes they, like, fully wrong you, but you do still love them, you know? And so she does go to to try and, like, save his life or whatever. Like, right until she has a conversation with Saeed, and then she's like, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Got okay. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. My whole life has been a lie, for sure. Yeah, interesting. Cool, 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 cool. So later, Ben asks for Locke to help him into the chair. He's like, I'm not gonna trick or hurt you. He just wants some dignity. And, like, you understand that right, John? Because we are both in the understanding that you used to be in a wheelchair, basically. Yeah, like, I know that you know that I know that you know that I know that you were in a wheelchair. Yeah. (laughs) And Locke eventually agrees. Excuse me, Astro wants to say something? Okay. Astro, what's up? Uh, He left. So, um, he no longer wishes to speak. You know what? He was commenting on the fact that there's no dogs in this episode. That's very true. You're right. Yeah. He's like, there's the Vincent representation yeah. is zero. Where is Vincent? Can't believe it. No puppies. Mm-hmm. So Ben asks Locke, he wants to know how he's planning on stealing the submarine because it's like kind of hard to work around. Um, and Locke's like, oh, I'll figure it out. And so Ben like already knows that he's not planning on actually trying to take it anywhere. And he's just going to blow it up basically. I just appreciate the confidence of saying, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Because yeah. that's me. Mm-hmm. If I were if I were to steal a heavy a heavy duty piece of machinery, I'd be like, I don't know, I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> Press some buttons. Yeah. I don't need a plan. I don't even have a plus. Oh, I was just about to say that! <laughs> I love you. There was a really cool um, fun fact on Lostpedia saying um, when Locke says, I could have been a commander in the Navy. Yeah. And Ben, like, in obviously knows. Sorry. Ben obviously knows that he wasn't because he knows, like, everything about him. But on Lostpedia, it said, during their conversation about the sub, Ben asks Locke how he plans to pilot it. Locke says, for all you know, I used to be a commander in the Navy. This is a reference to Terry O'Quinn's earlier role in JAG. <gasps> That's right! Oh! Oh, I forgot that. Okay, I'm gonna age myself. I never even thought about that! And he kind of gives, like, a little smile, too. And it's like, ha, get it? A reference. Oh, a little Easter egg. Yeah, my yeah. nana and my mom used to watch JAG, and so then I watched JAG, and I totally forgot that he was in. Jack. That's really sweet. Cute. So Locke starts to instruct Ben on how he's going to lift him because he knows how to do that because it the roles used to be reversed for him. And so Ben asks what's in the pack and he realizes that if he met Mikhail it meant that he has been to the comm station which means that he's found the explosives and so he's going to destroy the sub. And he's like because I know you John Locke and he's like no you don't. And Ben's like yes I do. <laughs> Born in California, raised in foster care, wasted your life at a box company in Tustin, spent four years before the island in a wheelchair. I know about the accident that got you there and did it hurt. 
And this is really, well, first of all, Locke says, yes, I felt my back break, which I can't oh, even imagine. Uh, it's horrible. Uh-uh. Um, and Terry, Terry, Terry and Michael Emerson are so good in this episode. They truly anchor it, not only because they have all the scenes, basically, mm-hmm. but, like, they're just so talented. Like, these are our two Emmy winners right here. They radiate intelligence. Not that they're the only people who have won Emmys in the cast, because I'm sure there are more, but they're the two people who won Emmys for this show. Yeah, they just, when they talk to each other, you know that not only are they two equals as characters, but as actors, Mm -hmm. and that's really fun to watch. Yeah, and so this moment is really fun because until a few minutes from now, if we're watching it live, um, we don't know how he ended up in the chair. This is the episode that we learn that, and so this is very exciting that, like, we think, oh, maybe your flashbacks, because what flashback did we just see? The the flashback that we just saw chronologically in the episode is the flower shop, and so, um, you know, this is kind of us being like, okay, is this the episode where we learn what happened, how he got into the chair? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you learn and you're like, I wish I didn't know. Every time the others do this, just like regurgitate information about the t- or the, about our survivors and stuff, I'm never surprised that they know all the information. I'm just surprised that they have it all memorized. Yeah. You know, that they just like, like have it. I would not be surprised if Ben just has like binders full of information. And on he like people. studies them yes! or something, you know. Yeah. So then we move on to the Jate scene with Kate locked in the game room. She sits on the pool table and I just wanted to say, not that she has any respect for the others, but my dad has a pool table and if I ever sat on it, I would be murdered. Literally. I I so. have I I don't know if I've ever been near a pool table. What? Ever? ever? I mean, like, I'm sure I've, like, like, I've never really played pool. Oh. Well. Fair enough. Yeah. But you've been near a pool table. Yeah. Like, you've been into, like, a bar. Ugh, unfortunately. Yeah. There was, there were pool tables, like, in the bar at my college. Like, there was a bar on my college campus. Mm-hmm. There were pool tables in there. So. I don't, I'm not a bar person. Yeah, no. Like, I, I actually am envious of people who can go to bars. Like, Chris goes and, like, has a great ass time. And I'm like, I wish that I could do that without having, like, intense anxiety mm-hmm. and wanting to go home. It depends on, like, which bar, though. Because. Yeah, mm-hmm. and who you're with. I can walk into a bar and, like, absolutely vibe, make friends with people, whatever. And then there are other bars where I am, like, don't touch me don't even like you know like do not look at me don't you know like mm-hmm. uh, just know it yeah. just uh, it just depends mm-hmm. but yeah i also try at least so down at least down here if there is a bar with a pool table nine times out of ten you're gonna see a confederate flag on the wall so like i try to avoid <gasps> bars like that and um what yeah okay yeah the south is wild but um yeah so if you're if you go to like some dive bar with a pool table and you're you're gonna see good old boys in the corner which is why i go to the gay bars and the gay bars only (laughs) honestly yeah nothing but respect for you thank you yeah so like she doesn't care about what the others think or whatever but like apparently the leveling of a pool table is like extremely important obviously for the game and so if you ever sit on it uh yeah if i ever sat on my dad's pool table i would be killed all right so, um, um my favorite thing about this is that someone was stupid enough to leave kate alone for five seconds right <laughs> <laughs> she pulls the handcuffs under her feet so that they're in front of her and then friendly walks in on her doing this and she's like oops but it's okay because it's just friendly he's um, like whatever and he's like oh hey i thought it'd be a wild until i saw you again he honestly 
Rossi seems like impressed that she did that thing with the handcuffs. Um, I think probably because he's watched her break in and out of the bear cage a few times now. Yeah. And he's like, oh, all right. Like, what did you think was going to happen when you left a known fugitive around with like a thousand ways to escape something? Yeah, I think that Friendly has like a, like, I think he likes Kate. I think he thinks that she's like fun and cool. Yeah, I think he definitely has like an affection for her despite yeah. the fact that he also imprisoned her. I don't Yeah, he I was like know. Kate's keeper for a while there. So I guess, yeah, I don't know. So like I said before, he lets Jack come in and tells him to be careful. And uh, yeah, honestly, Friendly's a bro. He's just like, hey, they're listening. He shuts the door, lets them talk in private. And honestly, I guess like maybe it's just friendly, but I think like maybe that's how much they trust Jack now. Mm -hmm. I guess like if he thinks, I guess like if Jack doesn't betray their trust here, then he doesn't get to like, I guess if Jack is like a good guy here for the others, then he doesn't have to, then he, then he gets, still gets to leave in the morning, right? Yeah, basically he's, like, he's, he's on his best behavior. He's scared to go against them right now or else he might not be able to leave. And that's why they trust him is because they know that leaving is so important and that they could take it away. So he'll do whatever they say. Interesting. That rhymed. So Jack walks in and he uh, sits on a chair, but he sits on it backwards because of course he does. Hey, only cool guys sit on chairs wrong. Yep. And he's worried that they hurt her. Um, and he's worried, and she's worried that they hurt him, but neither of them are actually really hurt. Yeah, they're, they're fine. So they talk about how this is where they live, and Jack says that all of the people that they took are safe, including the kids, and Kate thinks that he's with them now, and he's like, uh, I'm not with anyone. Wrong thing to say, buddy. Yeah. Should you not be saying, no, 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 I'm still with you, you know? Yep, he sure like, hello. does, yes. He doesn't yeah. do himself any favors with his lack of elaboration. Right. <laughs> A man of zero words, you might say. Yeah. I wish. <laughs> Sometimes. And yeah, so Kate still thinks that something was like done to him for him to be so nice to these people, but he says that nothing happened. And she's like, okay, then why are you acting this way? And Jack says, there's no what, and then it, he gets cut off or like he stops after the W. And then he says, there's no way that I could. And I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to say. Um, I wonder if he's trying to say something like, there's no way that I could save you too or like there's no way I could explain in time there's no way I could explain it to you without you being mad yeah I mean all of that's possible yeah and so he's like dude I told you not to come back for me and she's like well I didn't think that you were serious and I'm like he screamed I mean I guess he she didn't get to see his face and she only got to hear it, hear it over top of her like over a radio but like I was like he seemed pretty serious about it if I were her I would have gone back yeah. So they just, they both just have like a moment where they're just really sad and she's like, oh, what did they do to you? And it turns out that he had been lying to her and he says, like you said, Brittany, they get real close together now and they're letting him go back home first thing in the morning, but he wants to bring back help because he feels that it would be his best chance to save everybody. And she's so surprised because she's like, I can't believe that you would take their word for it. Like, you exactly. just trust them? And he's like, you told me to trust them when you asked me to save Sawyer because she came into him when he was in the shark tank and and she was like, you have to do the surgery or else they'll kill Sawyer. And he's like, do you trust that? And she's like, I have to. I don't have a choice but to trust them. And so I think, and that's what oh, he's saying enough. is that he doesn't have a choice but to trust them in this. Because it's like, it's that or he's dying. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if the show just end, like went in that direction? What? Ben just killed Jack. And they're like, yeah. all right, well. It's over. This is someone else's show now. Hmm. That doesn't seem very Lost-like. It does seem like something that another show would do, though. What? <laughs> anyway, so. Whoops. So Kate goes, what did they tell you? And she seems really worried about that. And I was wondering if maybe she was talking about like him knowing that she was sleeping with Sawyer. Like, I don't know what she's worried about specifically um, about him knowing something. Oh yeah, what? Because he found that out himself. But I mean, they let him out of the, the, the cage specifically to see that, but. 
She doesn't know that though. Yeah. She's like, did you or did you not see me kiss Sawyer and then have sex with Sawyer? Did you see that or not? <laughs> What's that TikTok sound that's like, did you see my coochie in my butt? Say yes if you did. <laughs> on the type of TikTok that we're on, but... This is such a specific area of TikTok with the worst jokes. <laughs> Roast beef. Roast beef. Have you seen that TikTok, Grace? Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, thank God. All right, um, well, at least the three of us get this joke that's going out yeah, to our if, podcast Yeah, if you listener. don't get it, if you don't get it, um... Don't look it up. No, look it up. I want you to look it up. Look up Roast Beef TikTok. No. See what happens. Anyway... So Juliet comes in at just the perfect time and she's like, hey, it's time to go. And I was like, is it morning now? Um, Because like when they're walking out after Locke like plants the explosives and stuff, like I guess what they mean by first thing in the morning is first thing because it's still dark out, right? So what is it like 4 a.m. right now? Maybe so. And she's like, hey, it's time to get ready, I guess. Maybe. All right, sure. Can you even pilot a submarine in the... The submarine goes under the water where there is no light, Brittany, so it doesn't really matter what time of day it is. Yeah, it's probably fine, Brittany. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Shut up, Chris. (laughs) That's the part that gets sped up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No! Submarine discourse. My favorite thing is what's going to happen is that people... I'm not going to have sped up anything (laughs) until this point. And our listeners are going to be on the edge of their seat waiting to see what I'm going to speed up. And then it's just going to be nothing the entire it's time. It's going to be at the very, very, very end. It's going to be like my outro. Yeah. 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 And yeah. they're going to be like, haha, they're bluffing. She's going to speed something up. No, that's going to be it. And you'll see. <laughs> you'll all see. <laughs> so Juliet's like, okay, it's time to go. And Jack's like, okay, one sec. And Juliet's like, okay. So she leaves. And he's like, hey, I told you not to come back. And I wish you hadn't because now you're screwed. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. And also, if they hadn't come... Jack would have been gone because Locke wouldn't have destroyed the sub. Yo, but like, okay, first of all, yes. But second of all, the way this show and the men in Kate's life punish her for caring Mm. is really detrimental to her mental health. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she is always chasing after someone's emotions for her. And so, like, her whole goal here is to get Jack to have an emotional response and be mm-hmm. like, hey, I miss you. I'm glad to see you. And he's not giving her that. He's not giving her anything. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, like, you're an idiot for being sentimental. Sentimental. Yeah. A lentil. I'm so tired. Right. Uh, you're an idiot for being sentimental enough. I can't get that word out. You, just, you got it. No, that was it. I was saying you got it. You know what you should do? Just cut it out and then put the way you say it in. Oh, sentimental? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just cut yourself uh, to in To be there. clear, that's not the way I say it. That's the way you I said it. I meant to say the way you said it. I okay. can't talk, which is a good thing I don't, I'm not on a podcast. Uh-huh. Um. Anyway. Isra, I hope you're enjoying the episode. <laughs> God, I'm sorry, Isra. <laughs> anyway, misogyny. Yeah. Is the point here. So then he like bends down and whispers that he'll come back for her. Cause I guess he was just, I don't know. Was he doing that for a show where he was like, I wish you hadn't come. Anyway, I actually do love you. Uh, see you later. Bye. But like, why would it matter if the others knew that he cared about her? Yeah. They already know he cares about her. Yeah. He's still leaving. She and Sawyer away. Yeah. So back to Locke and Ben. Ben is talking about how it was hard for him to be inside the hatch, just like knowing about the miracle that happened to Locke and that he couldn't ask him about it or else you would know who I am. And Locke's like, okay, fine. Like, ask me now. It wasn't easy, you know. Being in that hatch with you all that time, knowing you had no business walking around, 
knowing I couldn't even ask you about it without telling you who I really was. So ask me now. Now that I know who you really are. Was it immediate? It started the moment you got here? Yeah. And you were just walking. The feeling returned right after the crash. That day. That's what immediate means, Ben. You're wondering why it hasn't happened for you. You're not recovering as fast as you'd like. How long's it been since Jack fixed you? A week? Now that I think about it, how did you get sick in the first place? Are you afraid it'll go away, John? Is that why you want to destroy the submarine? Because you know if you ever leave this island, you'll be back in the chair? They have such good rapport and chemistry. They're so good. Oh, I love them. I do have to say, just like with Terry and Michael Emerson, two absolute masters of this craft in this room and in so many scenes in this episode. That's what makes this episode so good. It's so good. So Ben is just absolutely thrilled, super excited to ask about it. He's been waiting to ask for, ask Locke about this. So he's like, were you healed immediately? And he's like, yes. And he's like, so you were just walking around that day, that minute. And he was like, yeah, that's what immediate means, dummy. <laughs> Dumbass. Do you know what words mean? <laughs> words don't mean anything. So are you confused that it hasn't happened for you? Like, is that what you want to know? You want to know, you want me to have said it, it took a week so that, so that you're not weird? Yeah, so like everything's fine with you? Yeah. And Ben's like- <laughs> Ben's like secretly like, yes. Ben's like, well, excuse <laughs> me, if you're going to hit me where it hurts, uno reverse card, buckaroo. And he goes, are you scared that if you leave, it'll go away? That one, I was like, the way that each of them knows each other's biggest weakness and their weakness is feeling weak mm -hmm. is just like, ooh, good oh, point. it's so good. Because uh, fundamentally, they're such similar people. Thank you. Thank Robin and I just shook hands. <laughs> Sometimes, like, I think at some point last episode, I can't remember, but sometimes I'll make a point and then I'll just be like, yes, <laughs> nailed it, nailed it. Because this, these, starting these podcasts, like starting every Lost podcast, I'm nervous. I know that our guests are nervous because they always tell me. <laughs> nervous to come on because they don't get to come on very often. But I'm also nervous because the stakes are very high for this one. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot. People are expecting you to say smart things because it's a smart show. I mean, not to sound like a journalist on Twitter, but there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes when I do a good job that I didn't even write down or something, I'm like, incredible. Mm -hmm. I did that. And that's why I'm qualified to be here. <laughs> As and you're like, you should. And then you just... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then you just didn't wait for me to justify why I'm here. I know, but you just did it. <laughs> you just did such a good job. Incredible. You said, what did you say? You were something about how they're, uh, they know each other's weaknesses and that their weaknesses are being weak. Mm -hmm. Incredible. It's the power. It, it's about the powerlessness. Incredible. And so Locke is just like having this conversation and just looking at what seems to be Ben's glasses, I think. And then he doesn't answer. He just wants a snack. And I respect that. <laughs> no, the way he's looking at Ben's glasses and he's like, the island really loved you. He would have cured your eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, Harry, what do you need uh, Oculus Reparo for when you're a wizard? <laughs> Yeah. It's about the aesthetics. <laughs> Goodbye. And this is how you know JK Rowling's secretly a moron. Yeah. <laughs> but I love this moment where he's just like, so you got like a snack or whatever? I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's basically just like, hey, I'm looking for a snack. I'm hungry. And it kind of- you got any milk. It, that's exactly what I was about to oh, say. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. 
It reminds me of that moment where he's like, you guys got any milk? It's a great moment. It's, it's just great. like, oh, mm, fascinating conversation we're having. You got any milk? Yeah, anyway, a snack would be great. So, anyway. So, we move over to the swing set where Saeed is handcuffed. And um, let me ask you a question. Symbolism of the swing set for Saeed? The game room for Kate? Is there anything here? I, how would uh, how would a symbol... Mm, mm, just like back that bus right up. Yeah. How does this swing set factor into Saeed at all? That's what my question is. Can Is there anything here? Game room for Kate that she's always being like pulled around. Like like they're always playing games with her. Uh-huh. Sure, I made that up. Swing set for Saeed. He's always back and forth. No, he's not. He's usually constant, right? So that's why I'm wondering. Naveen looks good in the moonlight. <laughs> that's it! That's it! If anyone can think of any symbolism for Saeed being tied to the swing set, let me know. Any more symbolism. Thank you. Thanks. There's like blood potentially on the swing set where he's tied up as well. It could just be paint, but it's like only red where his hands are and like white everywhere else. So that makes me think that he's bled all over the swing set. Yes, that's possible. Um, Ooh, what about a loss of innocence? I'm I'm stretching. I'm stretching. I'm reaching. I don't know if I'll remember to do this, but I want to pay attention every time we see the swing set from now on, if like it's still bloody down there and see like if anyone has ever cleans up the swing set. Okay. So Alex comes over and Price tells her to just go home and she's like, well, my dad asked for Saeed's pack and he's like, why? And Alex is like, bro, I don't know. I don't get paid to know these things. But here I am. And he's like, oh, okay, here you go. Right. Like, he has some really smart uh, people working for him. I, I guess they say. didn't even like look at it. Really or, like, recruited the best of the best here. See what's inside. Later, Locke is like, that's why you let, that's why you kept this, the explosives in Saeed's bag. Yeah. Because you wanted me to do it. And I'm like, who kept the explosives in there? Because Ben didn't look in the bag. Wait, yeah, how, how did, did Ben even know? How did we talk about this plan before it happened? So I'm not 100% sure about that. But I mean, if, well, he did know that he mentioned Mikhail, and he would know that Locke would take explosives. But Right, I, but he didn't talk to any, he didn't talk to Price about this. He didn't talk to anybody about... Yeah, this is a lot of omnipotence for yeah. uh, Ben to have, which the show, you know, obviously wants us to think he's basically omnipotent. But right. like, hmm. And I think that's something to talk about. What? Hmm. hmm. What? So he just gives her the pack and she's going to leave. But then Saeed asks if she's Alex and Price is like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Get a job. Stay away from her. And Alex is like, um, how do you even know me? And he's, he's like, well, Kate described you. Yeah. <laughs> but also you look like your mom. And he's being so soft about it. I just wanted to give a shout out specifically to our friend Alice, who ships Saeed and Rousseau a lot. And so I like this moment for Alice. That, That's like, a valid ship to have. Yeah, he's being like real soft about the fact that she looks like Rousseau. That's really cute. Um, and she's like, oh, well, my mom's dead. And he's like, oh, yeah, they said that probably. And Alex is like, huh? Can you imagine having your whole world turned upside down just by some random dude on a swing set? Hmm, it reminds <laughs> me of Claire in last episode's flashbacks where she's like, my dad's dead. What? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Um, so then Saeed gets hit with Price's gun and... Hottie down! I can't tell if Price knows about Alex's mom or if he's just, like, protecting Ben or whatever. I think he's basically like, shut up, don't, don't talk. And so then Alex just, like, leaves, but now she has something to think about. Alex is like, okay, bye. So Locke and Ben go into the living room and he asks about the electricity, of which he gives the answer of two giant hamsters. (laughs) Um, 
such a good answer. My actual suspicion is geothermal power. Yeah, he doesn't ever actually answer. That's why I have a suspicion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he says there's leftovers in the fridge and you can have whatever you want, which is super nice. But when he opens it, there, it's mostly Dharma food inside. So they continue to get the drops of, of food from Dharma. Um, and he gets out some chicken. Ben is looking at Alex's childhood pictures. And he says that he ate the dark meat. So Locke is eating the light meat. Oh! It's a really subtle and fun dark versus light uh, that they kind of like put in there that Locke is the one who's eating the light meat. I need everyone to say which type of meat they would eat. Uh, I prefer white meat. <laughs> I prefer dark meat. Love the way you phrase that. Because there is more flavor, but I also, I mean, excuse you. Oh, oh he's serious. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Ask Astro what he prefers. That was, was that you prefer white meat, don't you? <laughs> yeah, actually, no, he prefers the skin. That's what he wants. Oh. That's what he wants the most. Yeah. Wild card answer from Astro over here. Wild uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Good job, my boy. Brittany says good job. Well, were you, were you about to say something else about your preferences, Chris? Astro, please don't like, like my mouth. That's gross. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he said, I don't prefer chicken. I like mom's mouth. <laughs> He's like, I like mommy. No, I mean, I prefer dark meat, but I, I mean, I will eat white meat. But there's such a fine line, I guess, it just white meat tends to like overcook easily mm. yeah it can get dry really fast and it dry and it dries out which is why like i said i yeah. prefer uh dark meat. see i always i don't like dark meat because it like feels slimy to me so yeah. i actually like actively hate it but i can understand the flavor thing a lot chris can you talk about your weird allergy please Ab oh no absolutely i can <laughs> i think it's so weird it's, it is it is the world's most fascinating it's, allergy. It's not even considered an allergy because, like, I did the whole allergy testing situation where you have to go mm -hmm. into the allergist's office and you lay on a table and they inject your back yeah. and arms with, you know, allergens and they determine. Stuff. And then you have to sit there and you have to wait for, like, 45, like, 30 to 45 minutes um, to see if your skin reacts to whatever they injected you with. And so they did test yeah. me. And I do not technically have a red meat allergy. However, I do have a condition called EOE, which is esophagic esophagitis. And basically, I have white blood cells in my throat, and they're not technically supposed to be there. I just, uh, my body was like, hey, we're gonna, this is like, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna put white blood cells in, there, in her throat, and they are going to swell when she eats red meat or pork so i can only eat chicken turkey and fish you're like a what is that like pescatarian like a pescatarian really. like i mean i do eat chicken because like sometimes my diet is a little lacking in protein so like i will make up for that with um chicken but for the most part i do yeah. eat pr primarily veggie and fish and then throw in chicken and turkey occasionally so it's just like such a wild thing for your body to have done. It's very wild. And we also, we did a test to see if I had been bit by a Lone Star Tick, which is known to produce an allergy in the bot, like a, like an actual allergy. Like it would have shown up on that allergy testing for red meat, but no, it, I was never bit by a 
tick. So, Whoa. so do you have like it? Like, do you have an EpiPen? Like, would an EpiPen help in that situation? Like, is it that bad that whereas like you would you would go into like an anaphylactic shock to thing? So it's not an right. So it's not a anaphylactic reaction. So I do not have an EpiPen. The worst mm. that it's ever gotten was I like the food. Not to be gross, but like the food got stuck in my throat, and I had to force myself to throw up. But like, it's never. It's never right. obstructed my airway. It's only obstructed my esophagus. Like, it's never affected my breathing. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because, like, with it... With okay, you, I mean, well, that's good, at least. Which is fantastic, but, like, so anaphylaxis, like, it affect, it, it affects your airway. With with this, it, yes. doesn't, it only affects my esophagus. Which is, like... Well, <laughs> I mean, at least it's not, like, life-threatening just in case it happens. Correct. Yeah, but I did actually wind up having to go to the ER after an incident because, like, the food still, like, the, the, and that's how we found out that I had this condition was because the food, like, you could see the blood cells. Like, it was, like, fully, like, oh my gosh, holding the food, like, in my esophagus. So they had to um, remove that by inflating gosh. my esophagus, by going in and inflating my esophagus and then physically removing the food. Fantastic. Well, that's terrifying. It is. It is. And like, my favorite thing is like, I pretty much mo most of my life that happened. And so I just thought it was normal. And I just never told anybody. And then finally, I had my incident. And my mom who works for like a gastro office was just like, excuse me, this has been going on for how long? <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. She was so mad at me because like, not mad, but like, she was just like, how the hell have I not like, figured out that my kid, like, because this happened yeah i got diagnosed eight years i was 20 so like this happened only eight years ago in like retrospect <laughs> bum, 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 it's such a like deep oh, nice it's such a deeply female thing to do to, to just assume that the pain you're in is just normal it's just normal exactly like i was just like oh it's yeah. just like my normal it's fine everything's fine exactly yeah. listener everything was not fine <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I got put on medication and now everything's better and I have not had knock on wood an incident. So we're all good. So the moral of the story is if you're worried about something, go see somebody yes. about it. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of chicken. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to Locke eating chicken. We had the whole light and dark meat thing. And then um, Locke says that he never appreciated chicken until now. I bet it's amazing. Oh my god. Yeah. They've been eating nothing but like rations and like fish. Yeah. I, like you'd immediately bark and, like, all that good food. mangoes and papayas and that's yeah. it. Like a mango and a papaya. Hey, that's great. But not, but not all, all the time. time. Not all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not as your entire diet. So Ben is like, hey, uh, so my people are going to be real mad if I don't have a sub. And Locke's like, is that supposed to stop me? <laughs> and Ben's like, I was born on this island. Hardly anyone else can say that. And most people ha were like recruited and they love this place, but they need to know that they can leave if they want to. And the sub like maintains that illusion. And, and yet Juliet knows that she can't. Yep. You know? So it's like, how many of these people are actually trapped here? Like, what? how much of this is just you saying stuff? And so Locke is like, oh, so you're just, like, lying? And he's like, kinda? <laughs> and he's like, no, yeah. no like, they want to be here. Some of them just won't make, like, the full commitment. But you've already done that. And I can show you all the things that you want to see. And he tells him about the box. Picture a box. You know lots about those boxes, right, Locke? Box, 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 box. 
Because you because Desmond calls you Boxman. Boxman. And he's like, whatever you want, it would be in the box. It's a magical box. And Locke is like, okay, I hope the box is big enough for a new submarine because I'm going to blow yours up. <laughs> I love how chill he Locke is about this. does not oh, care. It's so good. And so Ben, Ben, he just smiles about it. And he's like, why are you so mad? He's like, I can tell you're angry, actually. Why are you mad? Isn't that crazy? And... Angry is the word that Mikhail used last episode. He said, like, that that Locke, or, like, Kate was, like, fright, or she, he, I think he used frightened, and he used, like, like a bunch of, like, vulnerable type words. Mm-hmm. But for Locke, the word he used was angry. And so it's cool that we're, like, continuing to use that word. I mean, Locke does radiate with thinly repressed anger. And you know what? He's the most tragic character on this show. I can't even be mad at him no. for being mad like, about everything. They show you why Locke is so angry, and it's because his life has been nothing but people taking advantage of him, treating him like crap, and him being traumatized. Yeah. Like, of course he's angry. The fact that he hasn't gone insane mm-hmm. is a miracle. Yeah. And so Locke is like, I'm mad because you're cheating with all this fancy stuff, and you're coming and going. This place is amazing, and if you knew that, you would take it seriously. Yeah. And Ben is like, you've been here for 80 days and I've been here all my life. Why do you think you know it better than me? And Locke is like, because a magical miracle happened to me and it could happen to you right now and it isn't happening. Hmm. hmm. Isn't that interesting? Why are you so angry, John? Because you're cheating. You and your people. Communicate with the outside world whenever you want to. You, you come and go as you please. You use electricity and running water and guns. You're a hypocrite. A Pharisee. You don't deserve to be on this island. If you had any idea what this place really was, you wouldn't be putting a chicken in your refrigerator. You've been here 80 days, John. I've been here my entire life. So how is it that you think you know this island better than I do? Because you're in the wheelchair. And I'm not. So there was a loss on location for this episode, and it was mostly, like, the stunts and stuff. So, like, the explosion um, and uh, Locke falling out the window and stuff. But there was also some talk about um, Locke. And so Elizabeth Sarnoff, who's one of the main writers, in the Lost on Location said, He's being tested because Locke, in some ways, is competition for him. Mm -hmm. And that is terrifying to Ben because he feels, I think, as if the island has betrayed him. Yeah, because Ben was the special one. Yeah, he was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Terry also said that Locke doesn't see Ben as a bad or a good guy, just an adversary. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. God, they really understood those characters. Mm -hmm. So proud. Yeah. When your writers know your characters, it's amazing. When all of the writers in the writer's room truly understand the characters, wow. One of our jokes on the Riverdale podcast... Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Is that whoever wrote an episode only watched the previous episode before writing this one. Yeah. And that's our joke because sometimes it's so inconsistent and weird and they talk about things as if they haven't happened before and stuff like that. And just like, it's nice to see a show with consistency and all of the writers truly understand the characters. It's like, it's like they're all in the same writer's room as opposed to, I don't know, farting around doing nothing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Writing funny, funny one-liners for Cheryl to say. Literally. Yeah. So Alex gets back to the house and he, she had no problems, but now she's thinking about her mom, but she's not going to say anything about it. Locke takes the pack and mm-hmm. says that Alex is going to take Locke to the sub and then he'll just let her go. And Ben's like, you know what? She's done enough. I will take you. And um, first of all, she'll be fine. Alex, like Locke is not going to hurt Alex. And I Never. think Ben knows not that. Not in a million years. Locke says that Ben is just going to slow him down. 
And I both hate and love this line because... It's so invalidating. It's so terrible to people who are in wheelchairs. Mm -hmm. But it's like, God, he's turning all of the microaggressions that used to be used on him back on Ben because he knows how terrible it used to make him feel. And so he's trying to make Ben feel like crap. And it's working perfectly. Yeah. Because he's just like constantly just like drilling into the fact that he's in a wheelchair. And Locke knows exactly how to get to the core of that. Because like Ben said before, you know. It's his lived experience. Yeah. You know about wanting dignity. Yep. So Locke knows how to bring that back up. So Ben tells uh, Locke about the deal with Jack for him to leave. It's like he's got these levels, reveals that he wants to do. And like, if this one doesn't work, then I'll tell him about this. And if this doesn't work, then I'll tell him about this. But it's weird because, like, it's like he's trying to convince Locke that he doesn't want him to blow up the submarine when he actually does want him to blow up mm-hmm. the submarine. So, like, the amount of, like, back and forth double negative thinking that he must be having is just, like, amazing. I don't, I'm just surprised that he knows what works, to be I don't honest. know how he keeps track of all his lies. Yeah. So, he says that Jack is leaving in less than half an hour. So, it must be really early in the morning that they're leaving. Yeah. Um, and he says that it's a one-way ticket because they don't have a way to come back like because of the comms are down so either way no one can find or leave this island so either you let jack go or you don't and the end result is exactly the same and for some reason Locke doesn't care i don't really understand why he needs to blow it up if it's leaving anyway i actually i actually don't know because jack will then send people to rescue them and Locke will be forced to leave the island or anthony will know where he is right oh okay sure yeah and also jack is the main character he can't leave yeah <laughs> Uh, but must he be the main character? Yes. Must he? Yes. And so Locke and Alex go anyway, and Ben is, or, and Alex is like, hey, just so you know, he's manipulating you. Uh, like, he's making you think that it's your idea, and it's not your idea. He wants you to do this, so that Jack and Juliet can't leave. And this is, like, working out great for him, because he was about to lose his sub anyway, because it was going to leave. So either way, the end result is the same. He doesn't have a sub. Either so way, he's played into his hand. Yeah, either, okay, either way, he's not going to have a sub, but... Will Jack and Juliet be here or will Jack and Juliet not be here? He wants Jack to be here and then he also wants Juliet to be here because he likes to control her. But he's saying things to try and get him to stop and I guess that's how he knows that it's going to make him want to blow it up more. Mm -hmm. And Locke's like, I don't even care. I literally just want to blow it up. Like, I don't care if he wants me to blow it up or if he doesn't want want me to blow it up. I want to blow it up and so that's what I'm doing. Yeah, he's like, well, uh, I'm gonna do anyway, is the summation of that one. On Lostpedia, there was a thing that said, at the beginning of the season three premiere episode, A Tale of Two Cities, the overhead view of the barracks shows them located in a deep valley surrounded by mountains, far from the water. And in the episode Enter 7-7, Saeed's map of the island shows that the barracks are entirely surrounded by the sonar fence. However, in this episode, Locke and Alex are able to walk quickly from the barracks to the pier where the submarine is docked and return to the barracks without passing through the fence and subsequent episodes would consistently depict the submarine dock as being a short walk from the barracks. So basically they had to change their maps around a little bit this uh, this season. Listen, oopsie daisy. Yeah. You know? At least at least after they change it, they go, ooh, hopefully no one notices, then they keep it that way, you know? And they the don't stands keep are changing like, it. we notice. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes down at the end of the dock, and Locke does apologize to Alex that he had to involve her in this, and they go in separate directions, but Danielle has been watching her, and... She finally gets to see her daughter, which is awesome. So Locke goes into the sub, and this shot of him looking down into the sub is really reminiscent of the end of season one, when he and Jack are looking down the hatch. So you're an Irishman at the bottom of this one, too? <laughs> Scotsman? Scotsman. Scotsman. Yeah. My joke fell apart. Uh, that's okay. Speaking of falling apart- Thank you for apart, laughing anyway, Chris. <laughs> you're welcome. That's what I'm here for. 
<laughs> in the Lost in Location, um, they were showing that the sub, like the top of the sub was made of styrofoam. And when they shot in the interior, it was an actual World War II submarine at Pearl Harbor. That's so cool. Called the USS Bowfin. And I'm pissed because when I was in Hawaii and I did like my Lost on Location tour and everything... Or Lost on Location Tour, that's but my Lost Location Tour. Mm-hmm. We also went to Pearl Harbor, not part of the Lost Tour, but like just in general, because, you know, it's a tourist thing to do, and I was a tourist in Hawaii. And so I was probably inside that submarine without even knowing, and that yep. kills me inside. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. How, how would I to, how, how would I know? Maybe I should have watched the Lost on Location. That also angers me, because I, I too went to Pearl Harbor. So like, we both yeah. have that experience. <laughs> Dang <Yeah>. it! <laughs> Dang it. I've been to Hawaii, like, a billion times. But have you been to Oahu? I've never been to Oahu. Okay. I've never, I think I've stepped foot on Oahu twice in my life. Mm. Well, okay, like, Hawaii. Because you always went to Maui. Yeah. I, well, okay, excuse me. O- Oahu seems more, like, tourist trappy, like. Yeah. It's a bigger, like, city rather than, like, a little town. Oh, it happens. totally is. I would say, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, it's, it's more city, very city-esque than... Because, like, when you're on Waikiki Beach, like, when you're on the beach, there's, like, a, you know, 20-story, like, building, like, Mm -hmm. 100 yards from you. And, like, that's just insane to me. So, yeah, very jarring. Very uh, weird. Unfortunately, the tourists have now discovered Maui. Yeah. Yeah. My heart breaks. I remember going to Oahu, and they straight up just, like, have freeways. Like, it's, like... Oh, yeah. Basically just being on... Yeah, Maui has freeways, too, but it's yeah. definitely... um Maui feels smaller. Yeah. It's more and like... And it should stay town. that way. Yeah. Don't go to I Maui. <laughs> you stay away. I'm not even gonna go to Maui. So I love that as soon as Locke leaves, Ben just is like, okay, well, that's done. And he, like, puts the chicken back in the fridge, knowing that there's just going to be an explosion near him. And he's just like, oh, well. Well, I mean, the chicken gotta go back in the fridge. He's like, what? I gotta save my chicken. Yeah, so it's the chicken. Please, ma'am, the chicken. One thing that was pointed out on Lostpedia that I thought was really cool that I didn't notice, but someone someone else did, and I appreciate them for it. It said on Lostpedia, when Locke gets the chicken from the refrigerator, the camera view is from out. It's from the outside looking into the, chi- into the chicken. <laughs> Into the fridge. Into the chicken. When Ben later puts the chicken back, the camera view is from the inside of the fridge looking out. And this shows each character's perspective on the island and its mysteries. Oh my god. Oh my god. Jack Bender. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, the annoying thing is, on any other show, that's a reach. On Lost, Mm. that's just a fact. Yep. Also, there's tinfoil on the chicken, but it is put on there so haphazardly, I must say that tinfoil is doing nothing to preserve that chicken. (laughs) Locks, Locks like, sure you know what, Ben, there. I'm ruining your leftover. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jack comes in and Ben's like, what, you don't knock? And I'm like, yeah, no one's doors are locked. <laughs> no one knock, no one knocks. Yeah. Okay. And so Jack is like, I need another favor. And Juliet is also here. And Jack is like, can you please let my friends go after I'm gone? Because it's my fault that they're here. And Ben's like, if I said no, would you not leave? And Jack is like, that's correct. And he's like, okay, well, I mean, yeah, they want to rescue you, but you're rescuing yourself, so I guess we, like, don't need them. Hmm. Um, and obviously there's no way he would let them go. He's straight up just lying again. Especially because, like, he wants to be seen as, like, a good guy. Like, oh, Jack, I was going to honor 
our deal. I was going to. It's Locke's fault that I wasn't honoring that deal. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so he's like, will you give your word? And he like does, but his word means nothing. And we should know that. That's the fascinating thing here is like, you both are smarter than this. Yeah. You both know his word is not worth shit. Mm-hmm. I do think it's so funny that this whole episode, Ben is just in his matching jammies. He wants to be comfy. I love it. He's like, can I just have some dignity so I can sit in my chair? And I'm like, how about some dignity so you're not wearing matching jammies? Oh, <laughs> it's his night set. <laughs> it's his Dharma issued night set. <laughs> yeah. And so Ben is like, yeah, yeah, I'll let them go as soon as you leave the island. Those are my exact terms. Because he knows that Jack is not leaving the island. And then Ben says goodbye to Juliet. And she's like, you know what, Ben? Thank you so much for keeping your promise. And she's like almost crying. I feel so bad for her that she still doesn't get to leave. She's been here for three years. And she's been waiting for the opportunity. I'm like, Juliet, you're smarter than this, babe. Yeah. And Ben's basically like, yeah, it's not my fault you're not leaving. Like... Uh, it's not up to me. Yeah. And so Jack like kind of looks back at him like, ooh, you better not be messing with me. Bad news. I, you can't ask Ben not to mess with someone. It's in his nature. Exactly. It's who he is. Yeah. <laughs> so Locke walks back from the sub all like wet. And I'm like, not really sure why. Because I thought he went into the <laughs> sub. And I was like, did you also, like, did he also put explosives on the outside of the sub? Like what happened here? Why is he maybe all wet? Maybe so. Okay, maybe so. Is it just for drama? Like, I don't know. <laughs> They're like, Terry. Terry, he fell. This he fell. No, and he Terry's fell. like, but he's going inside it. And they're like, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, but he doesn't have Saeed's pack anymore. So we just left the entire pack down there, which is really annoying because we're on an island. We can't just go to Walmart and get a new backpack. Like Saeed needs that, but go off, I guess. I love that you're concerned for Saeed's like backpack. Yeah. Essentials. I mean, they don't have all, like they have to make their own bowls out of coconuts. And I'm like, we can't just be making new backpacks that are like reliable. You know you're what I mean? You're right. That's what I think. That's just my opinion. That's my opinion! So Jack, Juliet, and some of the others show up, and Price, like, holds up Locke with his gun, and Locke, like, surrenders, and Jack's like, what the heck? I didn't even know Locke was here! Because he heard Kate be like, no, no one else is here, and I don't think she ever said, oh, also, Locke is here, you know? So Jack is like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Oh my god, that would be such a weird surprise. Yeah, he'd be like, huh? Where did you come from? did you get here, and, uh, why weren't you here for the plan? (laughs) And Locke's like, hey, man, uh, I'm sorry, and Jack's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then (laughs) a giant explosion. So there's this stare down between Jack and Locke. And I feel bad for both of them in different ways. I feel bad for Jack, obviously. I don't even have to explain why I feel bad for Jack. But I do feel kind of bad for Locke because I bet he didn't have, he didn't expect to have to look him right in the face as it happened. Like he didn't expect to have to stare Jack down while he betrayed him. You know? He's like, well, well, well. I think he was hoping. Quinces of my own actions. I just burped through that. (laughs) That he could like just do it and then like slink off into the shadows as it happened. You know? On... Lostpedia, it said, the group has previously argued about whether Jin burnt the raft or not, and Locke appeared and said, why would any one of us block an attempt to get off the island? And in the episode, he does that. And he had also already done something like that in season one by hitting Saeed and ruining the transceiver as well. So Locke really do be just like, I don't care. No one's allowed to leave. Yeah, Locke, uh, Locke does not care about anyone's agenda but Locke. Right. Yeah. So in our last scene, uh, Locke is handcuffed to like a pipe down in some sort of basement. And Ben walks in, or Ben rolls in. <gasps> so Ben rolls in and he's like, well, John... 
Oh dear, whoopsie daisy. What happened, John? Oh no, Buckaroo, what happened here? And Locke's like, whatever, man. Like, I know that you wanted me to do that. Like, you left the C4 in Saeed's bag. So like, listen, we don't have to talk about this. I know that you wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. So we're good. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We're, we're, we happen to be on the same side on this. Okay, chill out. So Richard comes up and uncuffs him. And this is finally like the reveal that it is the same guy from not in Portland. And so he's like actively a pawn here on this. A on beautiful this man. Island here. And Richard's like, uh, are you going to try and hurt me? And Locke's like, no. No. <laughs> and Ben's like, remember when you called me a cheater and said, I don't understand the magic of this island? I was like, gosh, I wish that I could keep Jack here because my people would think I was weak if I let him go but killing him also wouldn't be fair because my people heard me promise to him and then wow a miracle you show up and it also reminds me of when Ben was saying like I found out that I had a tumor on my spine and then a spinal surgeon fell from the fell sky, the sky yeah. so it's like bad things keep happening to him but also solutions keep keep showing up as well so it's interesting I think the thing that fascinated me the most about this scene is the fact that he confidently basically talks about gaslighting his people. He, well, he villain monologues in front of Richard. Yeah, in front of Richard, which tells us without really telling us anything, like they are truly showing not telling in this scene mm -hmm. that Richard, who from what we've known before now has literally just been some guy who was hanging out with Ethan off the island in Juliet's flashback. Now we see that he is super in on everything and is potentially potentially like Ben's number two Yep. without saying that, you know, they're just showing it to us by the fact that he's in there and that Ben is trusting him with this information. Yep. What do you think, Chris? I feel like y'all summed it up pretty, uh, pretty well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My Chris, tell me all your thoughts on Richard Alpert. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like we haven't gotten to the scene. No, we haven't. Just kidding. I have thoughts on yeah, him. Yeah, we've hardly seen much of him. Yeah, I was gonna say, I have thoughts on him later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I have like a whole prompt in the spoiler section about Richard, so we can definitely talk about him in the spoiler section. Fantastic. But there's also a really wonderful moment where you can see that during this conversation, Locke is kind of like flooded in like light from the hallway, and Ben is also in that light from the hallway, but it's coming from behind him, and so his face is in shadow. Ooh. And so you've got even more light and dark here where Locke's face has light shining on it. And Ben's face is in shadow. I love that. And Locke is like, okay, I don't care that you got what you want, but I also got what I want, so it's fine. And Ben's like, I'm going to show you what came out of the magic box. And so they take Locke down the hall. And Ben's like, by the way, I wasn't asking if it hurt physically before. And Locke's like, you wanted to know if uh, it hurt my feelings and I was sad about it. And he's like, I want to know what it felt like when your own father tried to kill you. Got him. You destroyed this sub because you believe that this is the one place he can never find you. And ruin your life more and Locke is like ah stop seeing me so clearly what do you want dad <laughs> and Ben's like I don't know what's up but you seem to really understand this island really deeply which makes you kind of a big deal and you'll understand eventually but I'm going to help you here because I'm in a wheelchair and you're not so I need you such a good line because you're clearly important and so then we open the door and Anthony Cooper is inside tied to a chair just beat up terrified, absolutely horrified to see Locke because he thinks not necessarily that Locke 
died the day that he pushed him out of the window four years ago because he probably did check to see if he survived. And I oh, thought, for sure. So I think that he would know that he did survive that. Yeah. But after the plane crash, he thinks Locke is dead. He thinks Locke is super dead. And then he sees his dead ass son and he thinks that he's in hell. You know what? Good. And you know what? Uh, that's not a reach. You're definitely yeah. going to hell, buddy. This is, this is hell. Yeah. Being imprisoned by Ben is hell. Yeah. And so, yeah, he sees his dead ass son and Locke just goes, dad? And this is really, this is a really lovely end to the episode because um, they've done this two other times. Mm -hmm. In White Rabbit, which is episode 105, uh, Jack looks shocked and says, dad? After apparently seeing Christian on the island. Okay. And it was also the end of an episode in, um, I believe, what he did... I think. Uh, sometime in season two, early, early season two, Michael communicating with someone on the Swan computer and he types that it's Michael who's speaking and then the response on the computer says, Dad. Dad, that's right. So that's how you know it's Walt. Yeah, it's a really great um, ending because they've done this multiple times. It's awesome. And that is the whole island storyline. So we do have flashbacks to talk about, but before we do that, we're going to talk about Patreon. Okay. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. We have a Patreon. Um, it's patreon.com slash and it's a monthly donation. And we have some really cool perks that I will love to talk to you about. So I talked a little bit about them earlier, but at $1 a month, you get early access to all of our podcasts, every single one of them. This one comes out a whole week in advance. $2 uh, gets you uh, access to our Discord server. $5 gets you 10% uh, off at shopylux.com, which is where me and Brittany sell our wares. $10 gets you access to our Patreon only podcast, Okay Love You Hi, which comes out every two weeks. Um, and is about 45 minutes an episode and we just talk about whatever we want to talk about and it's delightful. If you get one tier that's like higher then you get all the tiers underneath it. So um, I think it's worth it. Uh, Chris, as a Patreon sponsor, what makes it worth it for you? I love starting my morning off with, okay, I love you, hi. Literally, like makes my Aww. morning. So fun story, like literally when Casey and I were driving back from Maine, we put on the podcast and we just that's how we started off our morning that's so cute what the heck and then and then we found a tim hortons and it was just like y'all were with us in spirit and like literally brings i also like what's really really funny is i will talk back to your podcast <laughs> I talk, I talk you know what? I hear that. I hear I, that no, from people. Like, and, and no, what? It, like what? Like what do you say though? Oh no! But like so when like uh, especially during like the Disney park and you were talking about like all your favorite rides. <sighs> yes, I was. Yes, we had a we had a couple of episodes of okay, okay, love you, hi, where we talked about our favorite Disney parks and our favorite Disney rides and stuff. So that was a good one. That was a great one. I would literally talk back to it and just like. <laughs> just fully engage myself oh my god that's so cute but um i love it because not only am i supporting y'all but i feel like i'm getting just exclusive content <laughs> and you are very but like 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 niche like like this is already niche but like it like even more niche content and it just yeah yeah i can't like go over the border right now so like this is as close to sitting in y'all's living room and talking with y'all so that's why I love it. 
It's truly a peek inside our apartment. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Thank you. Um, if you can't help us out on Patreon, check out shoppylux.com because that's where you can get some really cool stuff while also supporting us. But if you can't do either of those, that's totally okay. The next best thing is to recommend us to a friend. Um, we have four other podcasts that we're going to talk about in the outro that you can recommend to a friend. Or you can even do that if the friend is you. If you're like, this is the only one that I listen to, um, feel free to check out our other ones. Uh, it's it's more of this, except this is like our most big brain podcast. So if you're looking for more jokes, that's where you can find it, especially the Riverdale <laughs> feed, I would say. Yeah, that's just nothing but nonsense. I think our Stranger Things feed is probably the closest to our Lost feed. It is, because we actually um, have it's big very big brain but yeah love yeah <laughs> yeah yes um yeah so check check that out we really appreciate it um and now we're gonna move on to flashbacks okay so Brittany did the summary for the flashbacks i sure did okay flashbacks so Locke goes through the humiliating process of renewing his disability payments. He gets denied because he doesn't want to go to therapy anymore, which makes sense because the one person who needs therapy the most on that island is Locke. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he goes home and watches TV and eats a really gross looking TV dinner. A guy named Peter rolls up to his door and asks how many kidneys Locke has. <laughs> Apparently Peter's mom is nuts about Anthony Cooper, Locke's dad, and he wants to know if Anthony is on the up and up. Locke is like, I don't even know who Anthony Cooper is for some weird ass reason. Anyway, so he he winds up doing all the dirty work himself. He tracks Anthony down at a florist. He tells Anthony to end the con and save his fiance the pain that Locke feels daily. If Anthony doesn't call up the engagement, Locke will expose him. That's cancel culture. A few days later, two cops inform Locke that Peter is dead and that Locke is kind of a suspect. Locke goes to Anthony, accuses him of killing Peter. Apparently, Anthony didn't actually leave his fiance because he was looking for an angle to make a quick buck before he bounced. His fiance wound up calling off the wedding anyway after her son died, and Locke is like, well, that's bullshit. If I call her, is that going to be tea? And Anthony's like, yeah, that's tea. And then Locke goes to do that and Anthony shoves him out the window. Anyway, at the hospital, the cops confirm Anthony is super gone. A nurse manhandles Locke into a wheelchair against his will. Locke sobs as he realizes he'll be in the chair for life. Or so he thinks. Mm-hmm. Very good. Even more, so much to talk about in these flashbacks too. Yeah, this is um character defining. Yeah, for sure. This is the episode about Locke that we're waiting for, mm-hmm. you know? So the first thing uh, is that we get Locke in that office to talk about his disability payments. And so she asks, what's your marital status? He says single, um, because this is after Helen. Um, Aw. Yeah, so that's extra oh, it's sad. after your girl. Yeah, very sad. And it's just another thing that Anthony Cooper ruined his life about because the reason why she left him was because of Anthony Cooper. So that's just another thing. It's like that we're we're putting in the list of things that Anthony Cooper ruined about Locke's life. I sometimes can't believe that she was in this show. Yeah. Like it's like it's like when you She hear, was great too. Yeah, but it's like when you hear Al- Alice and Janney was in Lost and you're mm-hmm. like, wait. Katie Seagal? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like even if characters are like gone on this show, you never know when the next flashback's gonna take place. So sometimes they just come back, you know? Exactly. Like she'll be back. I promise. Mm-hmm. I can promise that yep, without spoilers. Absolutely. Yeah. And so they're like, Oh, do you have a girlfriend? He says no. Uh first of all, heteronormative, but this is two thousand seven. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, do it. Yeah. So are your parents alive? He says no. I was, well, I don't know. I was raised in foster care, uh, so I never knew them. That is a lie, but they suck. So he didn't really have to say that. He's like, yeah. I don't really want to talk about it. All of this is really sad. And so it makes sense that he would be applying for depression. And so she says, have you ever thought about going to find them? And he's like, I don't really know why that's relevant. It's not relevant. Mm-hmm. It's not. I don't understand why they ask this question. Yeah. She's like, well, I need to see if your condition has approved has or has improved. How? What? What? Uh, uh, what? <laughs> How Valentino? Yeah, yeah. Red lipstick and my Valentino white handbag? 
Like, how does that, I still don't really know how that's relevant to see if his condition has improved. Like, are you, is that the, the like, you're gonna, are you qualified to give him advice on how to not be depressed? Is that what you're gonna tell him? Honestly, my whole take from this, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but this kind of sounds like the American medical system being like, if you track down your parents, like, they have money. No, that's mm. literally it. And, uh, like, doesn't she also say, like, depression can be temporary? Or, like, something to yes. that effect? And, like, where it's also just, like, I'm sorry, a chemical imbalance in your brain is not te- temporary. Like, it's mm-hmm. not... Like, yes, it can be managed, but, like, I feel like you're absolutely correct when, like, it, it that's... The American healthcare system, where they think yeah. that there is a fix-all for everything, and you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, just just get them out without offering real solutions. Yeah, they're like, as long as we don't want to pay, yeah. basically. Yeah. Wow. Well. I'm upset that I got that right. I do have to agree, though, that the fact that he's not going to therapy totally makes sense that that would be a reason that he got denied for this. Oh, Oh, for for sure. sure. That's probably, like, the first thing she should have brought up, though. Yeah. You know? Like, why the hell did you stop going to therapy? Yeah. He's like, it's a waste of time. It's like, okay, well, you're immediately denied. Uh, Reapply when you start going to therapy again, right? It's like, well... It feels like it should be, like, a quick fix, though. Just go back to therapy, Locke. But he's so stubborn. Well, because he never wants to be vulnerable, right? Because Anthony Cooper's made such a fool out of him so many times. Yeah. So, basically, you think that this disability that he's talking about is for being in a wheelchair, but then, no, he stands up at the end of the scene. Yeah, he can walk. And so you figure out that it's actually a different disability. Uh, Fun fact on Lostpedia said, Locke's form at the government office um, lists his address as 168 San Juan Street, Tustin, California. So that is 16 and also 8 in that um, address there. Sneaky, sneaky. So yeah, she talks about how depression can be temporary, but since you're not going to therapy anymore, I guess you're like, good? I mean, Uh, which like, is a lie. Yeah. Yeah. I, this really feels like something that they do at the beginning of a lot of flashbacks, which is that they have to tell us when in the timeline we're working with. Mm-hmm. And so in the one of the first scenes of the flashbacks, they'll always have like a really specific, and they always show don't tell. They never are just like, oh yes, hello, here we are in 2001 or whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they find really creative ways to tell us where in the timeline we are. Um, because before we know, you know, he's talking about disability insurance or, or disability play- payments. And we're like, oh, so, okay, we're in the four years that he was in the wheelchair. But then we stand up, we're like, okay, got it. So we're before the four years but we're after Helen. Like, you know, like you kind of- Yeah, you put the pieces together. They don't treat you like an idiot. Yeah, within this first scene, you can kind of put together where we are, which is really cool. I love TV shows that don't think you're stupid. Yeah. So in the next scene, Locke is eating a TV dinner and watching TV, and he's actually watching an episode of Expose. There's a fun fact for you, which is a TV show that is featured in the next episode and is also the name of next episode. So that's- a really fun thing because they used to do um, this sort of thing, especially in season two, where they would end the episode or sort of like pepper in uh, stuff about the n- upcoming episode in the last episode. Okay. And so they're kind of doing that here, which is fun. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're talking about the Bolivian gold deposits and the Cobra. And you would think like maybe this is important, you know, uh, you'd be like, oh, what, what does that mean? But uh, the Easter egg is the fact that it is expose, not the content of the episode of expose. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about figuring out what Bolivian gold deposits are about. I mean, I could. Yeah, you could. So he gets a knock on the door and you think that it's night when you're looking at it because he's eating that TV dinner. In the freaking dark. Yeah. 
but he opens the door and it's still light out. And I'm like, dude, let your let some light into your apartment. No, he has to set the emo mood. But I love this because they're actually really selling the fact that he has depression. Like, I believe it. Yeah. So we meet Peter Talbot and he's like, well, I have a no soliciting sign, so you shouldn't be soliciting. He like points to it and it's kind of comical. I kind of like, I like it a lot. All right. Where he's like, um, no soliciting. It says like right there. And so. I like later when they talk about um how like Peter Talbot's family is worth like $200 million. And so why would he be soliciting to you? Or like, why would he be like, what is he selling you? And um, so in this scene he's just like no soliciting and Peter Talbot is probably like yeah guy that's what I'm doing here. I'm literally worth a fortune. Yeah. So he's like I just need to talk to you about my mom because I think that she might be in trouble and Locke's like you're probably not looking for me like you've got the wrong John Locke and that's a fair line to me because there's probably a lot of people named John Locke like it's just a really simple name. Yeah that's probably a pretty common name. Yeah. So then he brings up the kidney thing and he's like okay maybe you do have the right John Locke. Oops. Okay, you know what? That one's fair. That one's fair. All right. So Locke lets him in. He's making them some coffee and he takes out two coffee mugs. One is white. Oh my God. I bet I know what color the other one is. What? I bet it's black. It is. Ah! Lots of light and dark this episode. Nailed it. She met him two months ago. Love at first sight is what she said. The guy was charming, sweet, funny. His name's Adam Seward. He's a retired computer entrepreneur from Ontario. Anyway, Adam had something special. My mom just went gaga for him right out of the gate. After two months of knowing him, she agrees to marry the guy. And something about him, it, something in my gut told me that he was after something, so I, I had to check him out. Well, I'm not sure I know what any of this has to do with me. Well, what this has to do with you, Mr. Locke, is that you donated one of your kidneys to Adam Seward. Only his name was different back then. He used to be Anthony Cooper. And so Peter explains that his mom met Anthony Cooper two months ago. And how many uh, weeks is two months? Oh, oh, oh eight. It is eight. I was like, I was like, this is a trick. <laughs> One of uh, the things that I was thinking about while you were doing your summary, mm-hmm. and this conversation probably has more place in a later scene, but I don't want to forget. So I'm going to bring it up now. Okay. That after Peter dies and Anthony runs away, even though Locke was trying to stop him from ruining this woman's life, her life has been... Completely ruined. Completely ruined by this man. Yeah. Anyway, even though he didn't marry her and steal all her money, the man she thought she loved turned out to be a piece of crap and ran away from her. And her son is dead now. Yep. You know? Yep. And that makes me so sad that Peter went through all of this to try and save her and it he was, wasn't it able to it. do it. Yeah. yeah. Or it, it, it was fruitless, I should say. Yeah. So Peter says that it was love at first sight. She met like the best guy and his name is Adam Seward. And he's a retired computer entrepreneur from Ontario. And like I said earlier, this show does this thing where if it's about Canada, it's a lie. They I, they do it three times. I can't remember if they continue to do it past this. Well, Canada's but, not a real place. Nope. Yeah, at least three times they say if it's about Canada, it's a lie. Yeah, but Canada's not a real place. So yeah. if you think it is, it's not. Okay. And we're not from there. Yeah, looks at my passport. Oh, no. Oh, no. You have a f- Did you just admit to having a fake passport? <gasps> Please, FBI, do not come for me. Hmm. Well, they can't get over the border, so... Yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Got him. So she agrees to marry him within two months, but I have a bad feeling about them, and so I wanted to figure out some stuff about him, and Locke is like, what does this have to do with me? And he's like, dude, put it together. 
With, before even Figure seeing it the out, picture, bold. before even seeing the picture, put it together. This is your terrible dad. He's already brought up your kidney. Like, put it together, man. And he's like, okay, it looks like you donated one of your kidneys to this guy. He went by Anthony Cooper at the time, and if he was given a kidney, he must be a nice guy, right? Like, it, it almost feels like he's like hoping that he's a nice guy and that he is wrong and that he's proven wrong so that his mom can be happy. Yeah, for sure. He wants to believe all of those good things. Yeah, he just can't. It makes me so sad. Peter was only in his twenties and he was just like trying to protect his mom and that's why he died like yep. it sucks so he's like can you confirm that he's a nice guy and Locke lies he says it was anonymous and that he didn't know him but why lie like that like why decide you're gonna take care of it yourself that's what I want to know yeah so yeah Bernie and I were re-watching the episode today and we were talking about um like why Locke decides to lie um and I'm just like I'm upset because I'm like even to save this woman's life and her livelihood, and everything she's ever worked for, you still won't do anything about it. And Brittany, you said something about how, like, it would be, it's, like, embarrassing for him. It's shameful for him. And so he doesn't want to talk about how he was tricked. Yeah. And I was like, you don't even know this kid. You know, like, you don't know him. And after this, you're never going to know him, right? That doesn't so, matter to Locke. Exactly. That's why, but it bothers me that I'm like, you can't embarrass yourself for three seconds to save this woman's life and then never see that, the, this boy again. I think with Locke, appearances at this point in his life and even on the island are everything. Mm-hmm. Like, his grasp of power, his identity, who he is to the island, the fact that he's special. It all roots back to not what he thinks of himself, but how other people view him. Yeah. And, like, he won't be able to, like, you know, reach true peace until he realizes that it doesn't matter if he's special. What matters is, or that he was right, because Locke is also addicted to feeling right all the time. Mm -hmm. It's that he had an experience with his life, that his life was not wasted. And I bet that he feels like he's doing the right thing right here. 100%. Because he's saying, oh, he was it, was, it was anonymous, I don't know him. So he's not saying, oh, he's a good guy for sure, but he's also not saying the thing that he's embarrassed by. Yeah. And so it's like, he's saying, like, because he's not being like, yeah, he was a good guy. He probably thinks like, wow, I'm such a nice person for not letting, or for not saying that he was good, you know? He's, he's basically but that's in not enough. denial. Yeah. And so Peter's like, really? And he's like, yeah, sorry. I'm like, come on, dude, save this guy's mom. Please. And so in The Lost on Location, Elizabeth Sarnoff said, Locke's flaw in his backstory is inaction. Yeah. And on the island, he has become a man of action. And I think that's uh, that's to compensate for the fact that he was a man of inaction. Like, Genius. He's so aware of his own failings. Mm -hmm. They think of everything here. They truly do. Oh, so good. New York's hottest club is Locke's inaction. <laughs> Oh my God. So Locke goes to the flower shop, uh, which he somehow tracked his dad down to. Yeah, where... I don't know how he knew that that was there. But his dad and Peter's mom are looking at flowers for their wedding. On Lostpedia, it said that the floral shop is called Tustin Ranch Florist. Why is Anthony Cooper still in Tustin after stealing Locke's kidney? Run away, you weirdo. Maybe Run away. Tustin is a pleasant place to be. Get out of here. Has anyone here ever been to Tustin? I've never been to Tustin. Me either. How about you, Chris? Nope. If you're listening to this and you've been to Tustin, please tell me about it. I'm genuinely Tell interested. me all your thoughts on Tustin. What's good about it so that I know why Anthony Cooper is staying in Tustin? Just uh, because some rich lady is there? Like, deadass, my, my true assumption is just arrogance. Yeah. So she talks about how she wants something attention-grabbing, and uh, she's like, what do you think, honey? And he's like, yeah, sure. And she's like, I want it bigger, please. I want it big, 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 because I have so much money. On Lostpedia, they had a fun fact. And they don't usually do this, but I thought it was funny. 
Besides portraying Mrs. Talbot in this episode, Barbara Baylor, I think is her last name, has also portrayed Mrs. Wagner in season one, episode Do No Harm, which we talked about earlier. Um, so that's Sarah's mom. So she played Sarah's mom at like their, at Jack and Sarah's wedding. And then she also played this lady. Oh. So I think it's cool that she played like kind of like featured extras twice. We love a featured extra. Respect, They Barbara. make bank. Mm-hmm. So Cooper spots Locke and he's like, ha yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> look over here. And so he goes over here. And Locke is like, so is the wedding gonna be big? It's gonna be small? I wasn't invited, but I guess it'd be weird if I was there. So it's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. On Lostpedia, it mentioned, when Locke and Cooper are talking in the flower shop near the front of the register, the flowers behind Locke cost $48. So that's four and eight for you. Me just being like, wow, flowers are expensive. So Anthony Cooper's like, hey, how do you know stuff? And Locke is like, I know because her son came to me and he's on to you and he wanted proof from me that you're crappy. Bro, here's you all do- my receipts. You doing this is the reason he died. He died because you did this. You thought you were doing the right thing. You thought you were helping him, but you were not. And Cooper's like, oh, what did you say? Did you say I was crappy? And Locke doesn't answer. If, if Locke had just been like, no, I didn't, then maybe he wouldn't be dead. Yeah. So he's like, are you conning her? Are you marrying her for your money? Or for her money? And the fact that, yeah, like I said, the fact that he didn't say if he gave him the truth or not could have been the reason he died. Like if Locke had said, no, I didn't tell anything, maybe he would have lived. And so Locke says, you need to call off the wedding because it's really mean that you keep making people think that you care about them and then ruining their lives. So either you call this off or I'm going to go tell her. And Cooper's like, sure. And then he just leaves. Like, why? We just take his word for it. Nobody's word means anything. Literally, it's people falling for uh, liars things again and again and again this episode. For me. (laughs) Stop! Um, Shut up, Chris! (laughs) Me when Chris says anything. Shut up, Chris! If you can't tell... I love Chris. <laughs> we share a brain cell. Fun fact. It's true. It's true. So there's something uh, in the lost lore called the Golden Pontiac, and it appears in this episode. What the hell is the Golden Pontiac? So it drives past when Locke is talking to his dad when he tells him to break off the engagement. Okay. The Golden Pontiac is famous. Because it is like the same car is like in the background of a lot of different flashbacks. And so for a lot of time, people who were watching it and were really, really serious about this were like, something is going on with this car specifically. That's a crew Because it's car. always here. And so one time they were asked about it. And I think it was Damon and Carlton who were like, we just use the same cars because they're prop cars. Yeah. But it's called the Golden Pontiac and it's famous. It has a Lostpedia page if you guys want to go check I, out I all of the different, like. yeah, all of the different um, say, I, times that the Golden Pontiac is shown. Literally don't ever remember the Golden Pontiac, so. Yeah. No, it's pretty, it's pretty small, but like a lot of like, um, uh, car crashes and stuff, like almost always when there's a car crash, it's like the Golden Pontiac. Is oh, there. I see it. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I expected it to be gold and not just like kind of ugly yellow, but mm-hmm. like, that's fine. Yeah. Right? And not just like terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's like mustard. I was like, it, that is straight up mustard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They like romanticize this car. Like it's gold. <laughs> the golden, golden Pontiac. The legend of the golden Pontiac. <laughs> You're like, bitch, that is a mustard. <laughs> bitch, that is a tubby custard machine. <laughs> the tubby custard machine? 
So Locke heads home and um, he is in his red Volkswagen, his classic red Volkswagen. And he walks across the parking lot with his groceries and here is where I need to speak with you. Okay. I have a really important piece of canon that okay. I discovered. Okay. Locke. I'm afraid of this now. Why I already you told smiling? you about it. Okay. In Locke's grocery oh, bag. Oh, here we go. In Locke's grocery bag. <sighs> Chris is going to like this. I wanted to see what he had bought from the groceries. <laughs> from the grocery store. Uh-huh. And he bought toilet bowl cleaner. And that means it's canon that Locke has a stinky, dirty toilet. <laughs> Stinky, dirty toilet man. I want you to know that's been like a meme in this house for like the past two weeks or so. It's just, I noticed that Locke bought toilet bowl cleaner. That means that Locke canonically has a stinky, dirty toilet. And I guess if you wanted to uh, argue with me that it means that he keeps his stinky, dirty toilet very clean and maybe he has a clean toilet, I don't want to hear it because I like laughing about poop jokes. (laughs) I'm 26 years old and I do what I want. My entire... My entire life in existence is a poop joke, so, like, I appreciate the humor. Oh, right, At least 30% of the stuff that Chris and I send each other is just, like, poop jokes and fart jokes. We are grown women. (laughs) We're the best. So, there are two detectives that were waiting for him to get home, Detective Mason and Detective Reed, and they're like, hey, can we ask you some questions? And he's like, uh, sure. And they're like, do you know Peter Talbot? And he's like, "Mm, nope, don't know him. And they're like, oh, we think he was here, uh, two days ago? And he's like, oh, Oh, Peter Talbot! Sorry, I thought you said Peter Talbot. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, um, I made him leave because he's a solicitor. And she's like, well, his family's worth $200 million, so it's weird he'd be trying to sell you something. And he's like, right, sorry, huh, well, um, I lied and work out, so sorry. Look, I don't know him. Sorry, that was the third Peter Talbot to come to my door that day. It was yeah. a lot. She's like, okay, well, your name and address were on a piece of paper in his pocket. And he's like, why are you going through his pockets? She's like, because he's dead. And he's like, oh, okay, so you definitely know I'm lying. So I just lied to the police. That's great. What, Chris? I said, dun, dun, dun. Oh my god. (laughs) And even if you don't really know somebody, hearing that somebody you recently talked to has died is unnerving. It's like when you're on social media and someone takes the person that died, and I'm like, that Twitter account now belongs to a dead person. That's terrifying. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. We also don't ever get any information on how he died or where he was found or anything. Like, I just, I wonder about that a lot because... It's basically confirmed that Anthony Cooper was the reason that he died, but I, I really get him murdered. But I, I know, but how? Like, I want to know where he was found and like what happened. Like, I'm just, I, I wish that we had known more about, about like what happened there because like I want to know how he, how he got him murdered, like how he was, how he got, how he got killed. Yeah, Chris, how do you think he died? I think he tried to make it look like a suicide, like. Oh, that's not bad, actually. Like, try, like interesting murder, but covered it up like as a suicide, like or like suspicious death, but like not necessarily like murder. And then it was like uh, that kind of backfired on him. Yeah, because somehow the police were able to put together that it was under suspicious circumstances. Yeah. So they could have done that and just done a bad job. You could also freaking argue that Anthony planted Locke's name and number on the body. Right. Absolutely. Because like. It was two days ago, so why do you still have that? Exactly. Why would he still have it in his pocket? Why would he still be wearing the same pants that he was wearing two days ago? He's a rich person. Yeah. Dude, you have more pants. Dude, <laughs> you probably have, like, a clueless thing full of pants. Dude, what? You wear... Like, an entire closet of pants. You wear your pants more than once? Exactly. <laughs> oh, you got a tailor? Oh, you can afford to get your clothes fitted? You don't... You ain't never wearing these pants again. <laughs> because you're dead. <laughs> 
so Locke goes to Anthony Cooper's apartment, and his apartment is 3801, but it's on the 8th floor, so the the numbering is kind of weird there, that it would be called 3801. It's on the 8th floor. Listen, they had to reach, Your Honor. Yeah. And John shows up, and he's like, um, you killed that kid? Was it you? Did you do that? And Cooper's like, what? I don't even I know what you're talking about. I don't even have the appetites. And he's like, what? What? What do you have? What? What? What are you talking about? And he's like, I said, did you kill that kid? And he's like, oh, Peter? Yeah, who else? Yeah, no, it's just some random kid. Oh, you think I had something to do with that? He's like, yeah, I told you to break up with his mom and now he's dead. And he's like, well, why would I kill him? Because he was on to you. And he's like, dude, I'm experienced. I'm not worried about some kid. He's like, okay, well, either way, I told you to leave and you didn't. Okay, but like how embarrassing that he actually was worried about some kid. Yeah. Think about what you're saying. Why would I kill Peter? He was on to you! John, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm not sweating some rich kid. Then why are you still here? What do you mean? I tell you to leave. You tell me you're gonna leave town. Why are you still here? Listen, John. I'll be honest with you. I didn't end it. I was looking for an angle. I wanted to make some money before I skipped out. But then all this happened. Peter died and everything just went straight into the tank. She's devastated. She's called off the wedding. There's no profit in it, John. I'm a con man, not a murderer. She called off the wedding. She said she couldn't deal with it. She needs to be alone. So if I were to call her right now, that's what she would tell me. Phone's right over there, John. And he's like, okay, fine, I didn't leave. I wanted more money first, but then her son died, so how am I supposed to leave her? That would be a dick move. Because <laughs> he's never never done anything bad, like a dick sure, move in his life. Yeah, 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 yeah. He would never leave a grieving widow at a convenient time. Yeah. Never. So he grabs two glasses of McCutcheon, so that's how you know he's got mad money, because, uh... He's got Charles Widmore money. Yeah, Charles Widmore was like, this is very expensive. Hey, that guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he says that she had called off the wedding, so I'm not making any money. I'm a con man, I'm not a murderer, I'm not killing anybody. I'm like, bro, bro you're about to literally try and murder Locke. Like, you're a con man, not a murderer, but you did steal Locke's, like, whole organ. Yeah. Like, you stole an entire organ from someone. I feel like murder is maybe the next step for you. And it literally is, he tries to push Locke out of that window and tries to kill Locke. I mean, I would say he successfully pushes Locke out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah and, yeah. um, he, she's like, he's like, really? If I called her, would she say that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. He literally There's says no way. bet. Yeah. Locke looks at him and says, bet. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And he, so he turns to call her, but he doesn't have her number. So he turns around to ask for it. And Cooper tackles John through the window and he falls. And honestly, it's kind of a jump scare. Like, it's like really... It comes out and it's... Yeah, it's Especially to... if you don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On Lostpedia, this was really cool. Uh, it said, when debating the issue of how many stories Locke could realistically fall, the people involved in production looked at a report of a man surviving a fall from a greater height. So they were basically like, okay, can he survive? Survive four for sure. Can he survive eight? Mm, looks like yes. Can he survive twenty-three or fifteen? Mm, no. no. So we'll go with eight. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta go through all our numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is awesome because uh, we had in the spoiler section of literally last episode, we had something about this episode. So I can now tell you something that we said in the spoiler section of last episode. On last PDS, someone pointed out. Locke pushing Mikhail into the fence parallels the flashback of Cooper pushing him through the window in Man from Tallahassee because like his father, Locke doesn't hesitate to sacrifice someone he thinks is about to give him away. So that's perfect. 
That uh, hits. My next question is, how did Anthony Cooper not follow him through the window? Oh my god, I was going to ask the exact same thing. He charges at him full force and yeah. pushes him through a window. How is your ass not also going out the window? Exactly. I, I think I've wondered that since I saw this episode in 2010. You know what? He What happened was... Mm-hmm. What had happened was... What had happened? What had happened was... Mm-hmm. He tied a piece of rope around himself when Locke oh, turned around. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh. And Super quick. Pushed him out the window. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I know. I cra- I cracked it. I'm a genius. Mm-hmm. I know that he, like, flees after this, but I'm also like, after saying you weren't a murderer, like, let's just kill everybody's son. So, my next question is, did Cooper know that he wasn't getting any money from this? Like, that she- maybe she did call off the wedding, and so he thought, okay, well, since I'm not getting money, I guess I'll just flee. Because I'm like, how do you how do you not get in trouble for this? How? Like, I know that he, he ran away, so he doesn't get in trouble for no. it. But if he is trying to live his life and he is like trying not to get in trouble for this. I wonder if he's like, there is proof that this man has depression. Oh yeah. And so he tried to kill himself and it's like, okay, well why was he at your house though? You know what I mean? Like how did, how, how did he expect to get away with, with this? I don't know. But on the Lost on Location, this is where, like, oh, where a lot of the Lost on Location took place because we talked a lot about, like, the stunt that happened here. And so we started with Terry getting rushed by Cooper. And then it goes behind a beam. And then after they come out of the beam, that's where the, like, CGI starts, basically. Or, like, not the CGI, but, like, all of the video magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So on the other side of the beam is the stunt double on a, st- on a sound stage Kay. going out of there. Then they did a shot of that guy falling from a great height, the stunt guy. And then they did a shot from above of Terry, but he was taken down really slow. And then they just sped it up. And then they sped it up and they just put it all together. Honestly, straight up movie magic. Fully. That is literally so cool. Yeah. So I think this is it. Yeah, this is the last scene here. Locke is in the hospital, gravely injured. And the same detectives from earlier are here. And they say he's gone. He fled to Mexico. He's disappeared. And he could be anywhere in the world. But this I don't is know. in- Sounds like he's in Mexico. This is in 2000. Because it's four years before what's happening on the island. So we don't know where he is in 2000. But in 2004, he's on the island. And that is the next time that Locke sees him. He has not seen him for four years. Oh, the trauma. So I guess the detectives like learned the whole story and that Locke lied to them, but they're like, well, we can't be mad at you now because bad things happen to you. So I guess it's fine. And I mean, they know he didn't murder him. Yeah. But I also think like if Peter found the link between Locke and Cooper, then the detectives should have. Like, if Peter was able to find the link between them, the detectives should have also, beforehand. I mean, the implication here is that Richard found Anthony, so yeah. how does Richard find him and the cops don't? Right, exactly. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> so his physical therapist comes in. He's named Kincaid. I don't like this man. Yeah. Nope. Uh, he's like, okay, bye. Locke has work to do. It's time to get you out of the bed. And Locke does not want to. And so he makes him do it. And that is his job. I agree that Locke cannot just stay in the bed forever. And that I understand that it's his job to make sure that Locke does go out there and do something. But he is very, in like, too insistent to the point of, like, and, and like, disguising it behind being, like, nice and kind. Oh, he's you know? incredibly invalidating. He's the, he's the worst representation of a healthcare worker. I don't know if this was purposeful. Like, I wonder if, I like, think it was. If, no, if, if the writing, like, meant for him to oh. seem like a nice guy, and, and then we're just seeing him not as a nice guy? No, I don't think he was meant to be seen as a nice guy. I think he was meant to traumatize Locke like that. Good. I I mean, I hope so, because I always hope that when bad things happen like this, that, like, it was purposeful 
that they meant to that they meant to write it like that. No, I I hundred percent. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that this was supposed to show how dehumanizing it is for Locke and for any disabled person to be treated by someone who is able able bodied yeah. and has no experience mm-hmm. like being disabled and having that experience and being pushed to do things that you physically or mentally cannot do right or are not ready to do mm-hmm. because i think a lot of able bodied people look at disabled people as people who constantly need help or assistance and thus they infantilize them a lot Mm -hmm. and that's the attitude that I got from this healthcare worker especially was a severe degree of infantilization and like just sort of treating Locke as like this confused old man and at the same time treating him as like those really annoying gym coaches that push you to do things that you can't do because they believe that you should be able to do it yeah There's just, like, a lot of assumptions made here that, like, I watched it and I was like, this was well done in terms of attitude. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like it goes back to parallel when Locke was talking to the healthcare worker. Mm -hmm. And, like, it goes back to, like, how people view, like, whether it's, like, mental illness or, like, physical ailments. It's, like, it's Mm -hmm. always, like, mind over matter. Well, oh, like, you just need to push yourself harder. And, like... Yes, exactly! And you can get, you know, quote-unquote, you can get better when, in fact, like, that's that person's normal. Exactly. So I feel like that was a really nice... Mm-hmm. That's so true. It's like it's way more about adaptation than it is like overcoming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this is just another form of microaggression. This show always just absolutely nails microaggressions, especially with Hurley and with Locke. And we've seen a lot of of it with Locke from like just normal people, mm-hmm. like Randy, and you know, like Locke kind of turning it on Ben this episode. But we haven't really seen it from actual healthcare workers, and so it's interesting that this show is like we're willing to take on this thing that says hey you need to treat people like they're people yeah and it, it like i mean it's a stretch to say oh it's a commentary on like the overworked nature of the healthcare industry and things like that yeah. but it does make you think Yes. So he brings in the wheelchair and he's like, people struggle with this, but you'll get used to it. And he's like, I can't do it. And he's like, dude, you survived falling eight stories. You can do anything. I don't want to hear about what you can't do. Which of course is... Locke's um, like number one trigger. Locke's big thing. That's the thing he says. So he goes and he lifts him up just straight up like a baby. And he says like, see, there you go, buddy. And he calls him buddy like two or three it's times. It's so dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. And so Locke just like starts to cry. And I just like... It makes me so sad that, and like, I've said it multiple times, but Locke is the most tragic character on the show, Mm -hmm. but he just keeps getting deeply, physically wronged by Anthony Cooper. Mm -hmm. And every time Anthony Cooper comes back into his life, he ruins everything. And then there's no way to ever get any sort of justice or revenge until maybe now on the island with with him here. But like, it's just like, I can't imagine how stupid Locke feels every single time. He's like, every time I get wrapped up in this man and my life gets worse and worse and it just keeps going down and down and down. And I never learn. I never learn my lesson. I just keep going back. And how stupid am I to keep going back every single time when I should just stay out of it? Well, and it's like, it's always, it's all like wrapped up in, you want your parent to love you and you want to be loved by your parent. Mm -hmm. And this keep going back for more. And this is the worst one yet. Yeah. Because first he stole his kidney. He gaslit him and stole his kidney. That sucks. Second of all, he ruined his engagement, ruined his relationship. Has, he's never been in a happy relationship since. Okay. That sucks. 
right? Yeah. This one fully puts him in, a, throws Paralyzes him out a window him. and puts him in a wheelchair yep. for four years and he only was able to get out because of the magic of the, like, the miracle of the island. Like, yep. he would have been in that wheelchair for the rest of his life if he hadn't gone to the island. Yep. Like, anyway, Anthony Cooper sucks. Didn't, I'm sure everyone knows that, but. This is an Anthony Cooper hate account. So the last thing that I had here was just that Terry said in The Lost on Location, there was very little in his past that he wants to return to. Almost everything he leaves behind, he wants to leave behind for good. I like that. Yeah. That's the episode. We did it, guys. We did it. So let's go into segments here. Our first segment is our Best Line Award. Um, and my Best Line Award goes to Ben and Locke for... And whatever you imagined, whatever you wanted to be in it, when you opened that box, there it would be. What would you say about that, John? I'd say I hope that box is big enough to imagine yourself up a new submarine. I I just want everyone to know that Locke and Ben have every, like, all three favorite line awards this episode. Yeah, they do. Because, like, they're just so good at, like, this deadpan humor, and they're just so talented. The hostility, truly. It's awesome. It's god tier. Mm-hmm. And mine also goes to Locke and Ben for... Where do you get electricity? We have two giant hamsters running in a massive wheel at our secret underground yeah, there. Yeah, that's funny. I like He's how such a dick. I like how he makes this joke and then doesn't answer the question. Don't need so to good. answer the question. Yeah. And Chris, what's yours? Mine is the man from Tallahassee. What is that? Some kind of code? No, John. Unfortunately, we don't have a code for. There's a man in my closet with a gun to my daughter's head. Although we obviously should. <laughs> and now we know what it is. For us, it's it's something about the man from Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> or Tampa. Or Tampa. Tampa's if they if he has hair. <laughs> Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Only if they're... Exactly. Our next segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. Uh, this episode, we're talking about Locke. That means it's an easy one. Woo-hoo! Locke is a man of faith. Do we see any Man of Science Locke in this episode? No. no. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think the only thing that I could think of really is the fact that he, like, understands that Ben is, like, trying to trick him and he doesn't care. He's just doing whatever he wants, you know? Yeah, he's like, okay, well, go ahead. So next is Sawyer's Book Corner. Uh, So we can talk about two different things in Sawyer's Book Corner here. We have A Brief History of Time, which is a 1988 book by Stephen Hawking. It's seen in Ben's Living Space. um, And it was actually already seen in Not in Portland because it was what Aldo was reading. And we all thought when we were recording about Not in Portland, we were like, Aldo seems like too much of a dumbass to be reading this. (laughs) So it makes me think that like, I don't know, he was like, I'm going to read this because Ben thinks it's a good book or something. I don't know. Maybe it was part of the book club. Maybe. Um, And then the other one is The Gunslinger. It is a 1978 novel by Stephen King because we know that Ben loves Stephen King. Um, It's seen next to Ben's bed. The story centers upon the gunslinger who has been chasing after his adversary, the man in black, for many years. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the next segment is did they do the thing the thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode and yes they did the thing twice this episode I want you to bring me the man from Tallahassee the man from Tallahassee what is that how many episodes since the last knockout it has been two episodes since anyone was knocked out on uh, on island that it, whenever it gets above one I'm like that's dangerously high yeah someone's <laughs> gonna get a concussion too yeah uh, and then lastly does this episode pass the Bechdel test 
Uh, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> yeah, it's like Kate, Juliet, and Alex are, and then like Russo, but I don't think she has any lines on the island. Uh, but then they don't, but they don't talk to each other. And then like the only woman, it's like the lady at the office, and then Peter's mom, and that's it. So definitely did not pass the Bechdel test this this uh, scene. Unfortunately, really does. Or this episode, yeah. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be. Rampant with spoilers, who so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Gideon's Tunes. Thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. It's- <laughs> our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. And thank you to our lovely roommates, Emily and Sam, for their cooperation and respect while we recorded this podcast. It took up so much of their nights for them to sit in their rooms, and we appreciate them so much. Good thing everyone we live with is an extreme introvert. Yeah. yeah. Please, if you're so inclined, write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We would really appreciate that. My ass is sweating right now. I just want you to know that. Thank you so much. I'm so uncomfortable. Okay. If you're a fan, I'm like, I'm not ready. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. It's where all of our dumbest thoughts go to die. Mm -hmm. You should absolutely go check out that entire podcast. We've done four seasons, five seasons? Uh, We are in the fifth season. We are in the fifth season. I can't keep track anymore on account of the show's been off the air for many months. We have been trying to backlog our podcast before Riverdale starts back up again, so I hope it's good. Uh, When this comes out, more of the season has come out, and I hope I'm enjoying it, but also you don't have to listen to, or you don't have to watch the show to listen to the podcast. There's a lot of people who just listen to the podcast, and apparently that's also fun. So there you go. If you're a fan of The 100, we talk about that show too. We uh, did uh, seasons four to seven as they were airing, so spoiler free. Um, and then we've been going back to do the first three seasons uh, for the good old days. So uh, our, we're in doing season three right now, and those are with spoilers of the whole series. So yeah. If you're a fan of Star Trek Picard, we like to talk about that show too. We covered season one, and season two is coming in 2022. So I'll let you know whenever that happens. <laughs> If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we talk about that show too. Uh, we have done uh, all three seasons of Stranger Things. Uh, I think just the last like one or two episodes still have to come out. Um, so uh, join us for that. We have the whole series ready for you. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. And Robin make gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. Robin Robin make gifts. Me make gifts. <laughs> you make gifts. <laughs> yeah. Our Patreon is patreoncom aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because. Oof, it is expensive, um, and we really appreciate it. We talked about some of our perks earlier in the in the thing, and um, yeah. We what just, did we say I needed money for? Uh, binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> Please join our Patreon so I can buy binoculars. That feels like three years ago. <laughs> I've been sitting here on this couch forever. Yes, but if if you uh, enjoy our content, we would really appreciate your help. Uh, lots of different things that you get for helping us out on Patreon. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end, but I wouldn't recommend it because it's a mess. Chris, thank you so much for joining us! <laughs> Where can we follow you? <laughs> Baby Babysafe on Twitter. You're going to see Yay. a lot of Christopher Maloney's ass. Like, that's all and it's you're going to see. Like, that, that's yeah. literally all you're going to see. Because that's all. It's like, it's like. <laughs> Listen, the man is a nudist, like, at heart. And I just, I respect that so much. Um, yeah. So, like, that's, Chris's Twitter experience is Christopher Maloney's ass and an SVU. And mine is Vera Farmiga and The Conjuring. So, it's like, those are just our brands right now. Hmm.
you know? But like that, my like unfortunately, that brand has been my brand since I was literally in fifth grade, and uh, it came back full. Oh, that's me about Star Trek. Uh, like, and that came, it could just it came back full force during the panini, yeah. and uh, I've just haven't been able to let it go, and I don't think I'll ever let it go. So yeah, that was me once I got back into Star Trek. I'm like, this is my life now. Yeah, pretty much love that for us. Our next episode is episode 314. It's called Expose, and I am absolutely thrilled. It is one of my favorite episodes of all time. And our guest is going to be my cousin Aaron, which I'm really excited about. He is at Aaron Groovyveld, and we had him on in season one and in season two. And he is the one that I went on the Lost Location Tour with. Well, and also the rest of my family. But he came with on the Lost Location Tour when we went to Hawaii. And um, Expose is his favorite episode of the whole show. I was so worried that he wouldn't want to come on. Um, so I would like I had to talk to him, uh, like I FaceTimed him to ask him if he still wanted to come on. Cause I was like, if I, if he doesn't want to come on, I have to find somebody else who will do this. And there's no one who's a bigger expose fan. What do I do? And then he was like, no, I'm very excited to come on and talk about expose. So like he had recently rewatched it and everything. Aww. Yeah. So we're, I'm really excited to talk about expose, uh, especially with my cousin. So that will be good. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, bye. So, um, first of all, our knockout counter is actually only at one episode. Uh, I have to keep saying that until there's another one, uh, because, um, Mikhail was not knocked out last episode. He, or, or he, he didn't did not, die. He didn't die. Yeah. He was actually knocked out. But, um, the people don't know that. The people who are not spoilers don't know that. The people. So our knockout counter is actually at one. Also, you'll enjoy this, Brittany. Okay. Anthony Cooper, Adam Seward. That's his um, his actual name and then the name that he's going by, right? Yes. It's an anagram. What's it up? Con man. Sawyer, the con man, a poor dad. Oh my God. <laughs> How did they do that? They did that. Like, that's one of the ones that they have specifically said that they did on purpose. That's Ethan insane. Rom, Ethan Rom, other man. And Hostroller Flash Forward is the other two. I don't know if there are more than those, but those ones are ones that are specifically confirmed to have been on purpose. And, and this one as well. That's fascinating. Yeah. So if you had done that, then you could have figured out that he was Sawyer like a couple episodes before it's revealed. All right. Well, holy shit. Also, this episode marks the first time in which Locke and Richard Alpert meet. However, it is not the first time chronologically that Locke and Richard have met because uh, the first time they met was in 1954. Oh, right. Yeah. So, uh, I think, you know, obviously that's, that's in season five and like Richard straight up just like doesn't know about that yet. You know what I mean? So like they yeah. don't, you know, it's not really clear in the writing that Richard clearly knows who Locke is, but, um, later it's revealed that he like is very significantly familiar with Locke. He like visited him as a child. He visited him all the time. So Richard's like, I'm old as hell. Yeah. I'm just real old. So going into flashback spoilers first, because there's just like less of the flashback. They're selling the fact that Locke has depression and in season five, Locke tries to commit suicide. Yeah. So I guess maybe he did need the disability benefits to go to therapy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I only have one other thing for the flashbacks, which is that the uh, physical therapist says you have work to do. And in the finale of season three, when Locke has been shot by Ben and is just lying in that like pile of bodies, 
face. And then Taller Ghost Walt appears to him and says, get up, John, you have work to do. Not Taller Ghost Walt. Yeah. So um, him having work to do is a thing. Uh, and then so going into the spoilers that I have for the island storyline, Locke says that Mikhail told him about the submarine before Locke killed him. And Mikhail kind of like isn't dead. And then just kind of like the next time we see him is in Catch-22 with like Desmond, Hurley, Charlie, and Jin. And so I'm just wondering if Ben knows that Mikhail is alive or not. I'm inclined to think no, because I don't think that Mikhail has like gone and like talked to anybody, but I wonder if like after he learned that, he doesn't necessarily know right now, but like after Locke said that, maybe they sent somebody to go and like find Mikhail's body and they couldn't find it. Yeah. So like maybe Ben doesn't like currently is just like, oh shit, uh, Locke killed Mikhail. Um, and then later he realizes that Mikhail isn't dead. He's going to find out about it. For sure. I mean, then he, like, eventually, by the end of the season, has, like, spoken to Mikhail. Yeah. And Mikhail dies uh, at the end of this season because he's holding a grenade (laughs) when it goes off. And then I also, for the Jate scene, I think there's, like, this whole Jate thing later is, like, are you with me? I'm always with you. Because, like, the Suliette thing is, do you have my back? And I have your back. Oh. But Jate's is, are you with me? And I'm always with you. And so her saying, are you with them now? And he's saying, I'm not with anyone. I'm like, shouldn't you be saying I'm with you? <laughs> maybe that was like part of like what he was trying to communicate. Yeah, maybe this was like the beginning of the of that like being there phrase. Yeah. If Jack actually did make it off the island on the submarine, would he have to assume a new identity like Michael? I feel like yes. Yeah, because like he'd never be able to find them. Yeah, and he he'd wouldn't never be able get to back like to the island. show up as the Oceanic Six and like craft a thing. Like it wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he would probably have to like assume a whole new identity, which would be harder for him because he's like, loves himself. (laughs) (laughs) He loves himself. Yeah. Well, he sure does love to suffer. So Ben asks about the miracle that happened to Locke, probably because he wants to hear about it because it's like the work of Jacob and he doesn't actually know anything about Jacob. He's like, what's Jacob like? Is he nice? Is he handsome? (laughs) Ben says, does he talk about me? Are you scared that if you leave the island, then it'll go away and you'll be back in the chair? So when Locke goes back to the mainland, He is in a wheelchair, but it's not because the miracle has stopped working. It's because he gets injured. Yeah. Um, And so he does end up having to be in a wheelchair. And Um, uh, it's his worst nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not because the miracle turned off. Inside Ben's fridge, he still has Dharma food. In the epilogue, Ben goes to see the dudes that are still sending food to the island to tell them that they can go home and that they don't have to do this anymore. So those dudes from the epilogue just assume they're still sending food to the Dharma initiative. So they're just like taking advantage of the fact that they're confused. I mean, you can't blame them. It's free food. Yeah. Uh, Ben says that he was born on the island and hardly anyone can say that. Liar, liar, pants on fire. First of all, you were not born on the island. You were born also near Portland, I think. Uh, Either way, in the States somewhere. I heard it was not Not in Portland. Portland. Somewhere in the States. And then also no one can say that they were born on the island because of the curse on pregnant women. And that's been on since like the 70s. Weren't Jacob and the man in black born on the island? Yeah, but hardly anyone else can say that, especially like his peers. Yes. There's been a curse on pregnant women for over 30 years. Yeah. So no one under 30 can Who say Who cursed that. them? The Man in Black? Uh, no. It's like partially about the electromagnetism that happened because of the incident. Oh, right. So, and then, and then I think it's partially also some magic stuff, I think. Hand wavy magic crap. Yeah. It's like Ethan was one of the last ones. Juliet is like, thank you, Ben, for keeping your word because she wants to leave on the submarine. And... In season five in La Fleur, when she finally has the opportunity to leave again on the same submarine. And yeah. Then, and then Sawyer convinces her not to do it. And so she still 
doesn't leave. And so Juliet never leaves the island. No. She left like three years ago. And, she and she's wanted to, and she's wanted to go ever since then, but she never makes it back. She dies before she gets back. My heart hurts. Yeah. So much. Yeah. What the f*** happens with the submarine that it's magically fine? They're in the past. Oh, duh. Yeah. So that's how time travel works. That is how time travel works. Yeah. But that's it, my friends. We did it. Yay. So Chris, thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so fun to talk to you. It is my favorite thing in the entire world. Uh, If you guys want to follow Chris, you can find her information in the description. You, You should do it. You have to do it. She's so funny. Yeah. Chris Maloney's ass. We just talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Apertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow both of us at The Aficionados. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. And um, just we love you guys so much. And I'm really excited for next episode too. Hell yeah. Yay. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, bye. 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 bye.